will not let this republic be split in two. My negotiations will not fail. If they do, there aren't enough Jedi to protect the Republic. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. You know I don't like it when you do that. Sorry, Master. I forgot you don't like flying. Well, you've lost him. If you'll excuse me. I hate it when he does that. Anakin, don't do anything without first consulting either myself or the Council. You don't need guidance, Anakin. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi. The boy has exceptional skills. His abilities have made him arrogant. Excuse me. I'm in charge of security here, m'lady. They are using a bounty hunter named Jango Fett to create a clone army. Wait. We must stop them before they're ready. Your clones are very impressive. They'll do their job well. Blast! That's why I hate flying! This is a crisis. The Senate must vote the Chancellor emergency powers. As my first act, I will create a grand army of the Republic to counter the increasing threats of the Separatists. Hasn't been a full-scale war since the formation of the Republic. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. The dark side clouds everything. In grave danger, you are. This Clone War has. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the IPC podcast, also known as the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. We are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, but also coming to you through the power of iTunes. You can also find us on StarWarsUnderworld.com, a great place to find Star Wars news and since we're talking about Star Wars, why not jump off that because we've got an awesome intergalactic episode tonight we are going to be returning to a galaxy far far away we are counting down to star wars episode 9 december 20th later this year celebrations right around the corner there's so much awesome star wars stuff going on so we thought why not revisit that great saga and talk about each and every movie and tonight we're going to be talking about another one But before we get into it, of course, introductions are in order if you are new or just have no idea or, you know, you had your mind wiped or something. I mean, stuff like that happens. My name is Ben, and joining me, as he always does, it is my good friend and co-host, 
Mr. Zack Arnold. Zack, what's going on? A mind wipe? Dude, that's really scary. Like, not gonna lie, if I had my mind wiped and I had no way of knowing that it happened, I'd, I would, like, have this weird social anxiety that's, like, clouding my judgment and my every move because I have no idea if that had happened to me or not. Like, I'm seriously... Was, it's creepy. It's creepy. I, I'm seriously, like, considering it right now, like, trying to figure out if that's even happened to me before. It, like, for real. But I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be back in the galaxy far, far away. It's been a few weeks since we've last uh, discussed anything that is, like, this in-depth about Star Wars. And uh, to be this in-depth, I don't think it's something we could do alone. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about The Phantom Menace last week. So we're kind of making a natural progression leading up to Episode Nine. So this week it's going to be uh, Attack of the Clones. And there is there's one person who I think is like our resident expert on this particular movie, mm-hmm. and we just had to get him back on this program to talk about this particular episode, and I'm so excited that he's here. Yeah, and the person you're referring to, of course, is our uh, esteemed station manager here at Channel 1138. He's my co-host over at the Star Wars Underworld podcast and also a good friend of ours, Mr. Chris Siegel. Chris... What's you up to? Hey, Zach and Ben. Um, yeah, I love going on the uh, IPC Peace Coalition podcast intergalactic thingy to talk about <laughs> stuff other than Star Wars. It's a great. Oh wait, <laughs> Star Wars. As okay, if yes. You don't uh, yes. talk about Star Wars enough. Now you got to talk uh, about it again. Darn it! It's. I'll do it for the uh, old AOTC. I will do it. <laughs> Well, there, there, there's going to be there's going to be plenty of other stuff to uh, talk about uh, in the other universes as well because we've got uh, Avengers Endgame coming up soon. We've got Shazam. We're going to be talking about the uh, the two Aladdin movies that are coming out. We're going to be talking about uh, quite a few other things on the docket for the rest of this year. So uh, we'll uh, we'll have plenty of opportunities to to explore outside of this galaxy as well as within it, but. Uh, you know, man, in in the time that I've known you, you are, and, and I, I'm not saying this sarcastically. <laughs> Please don't take it sarcastically. But you are probably the biggest fan of Attack of the Clones that I know. <laughs> I know I know a couple others. Um, it, it's easy to spot us. <laughs> We're conspicuous. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, I think, I think, I think partially it has to do with just the fact that a lot of people don't like the movie. It's made me have to amp up my, uh, defense of it a little bit. Okay, fair. Like, um, but I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely like my nostalgic favorite Star Wars movie. Like that is legit. I am not, I am not playing anybody. Like, uh, it's the movie that I've seen the most of all of the Star Wars films, um, Mainly because it was the first one I got on DVD, so mm, it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't like just destroy itself, right? <laughs> like all the VHS tapes, yep, um, VHS and yeah so i yeah i'm 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 very much into this movie and it, it is uh a huge part of my childhood for sure so i i feel well, I, like I, yeah. sorry ben i i just had no, i just had one quick thought i feel like it probably would have been the same way for me except i had uh, a little sister who didn't mm. didn't quite understand the concept of um sundresses and that you you're, you're like padme wears on naboo 
Um, mm. She she didn't get that those types of dresses are meant to be backless so that you could be exposed to the sun. And uh, oh, in her five-year-old innocence, all she saw was bare skin. And so mm. one time we watched the movie and she sees that scene and she yells out, Mommy, why is the girl halfway naked? Uh, and then the movie got put oh, on about no. two or three years probation after that. Dang. So yeah, the, the similar thing kind of happened to Return of the Jedi for a little bit because uh, yeah, the, the, the I can, golden bikini. I can for me. see why you probably have to like skip that scene or something like that in order. To... That, that's the movie I probably saw the least growing up. I know that for sure. And yet there's no. I, I for some reason for some reason it was like the opposite in my house. Like I I, I grew up on shows like Seinfeld and. Speaking mm. from experience, it's not it's not the best show to grow up on, um, <laughs> um, when you're you know ten years old and, and trying to get some of the jokes that they do. It, it took me a while to uh, understand, <laughs> dude. I was, but I was never censored on Star Wars, thankfully. Dude, I was like twenty something before I figured out some of the jokes that they make on Friends. Okay, <laughs> like there's a, there's this one episode where they're playing with the baby and he like they they do that thing where you throw the baby up in the air and then you catch him again. Only they threw him too high and he like hit his head on a crossbeam. And so, oh, so they were like, "Oh no, don't don't worry about it. Everybody bangs their head sometimes." So they like bang their head on the crossbeam as well in order to uh, like prove to the little baby that everybody bangs their head sometimes. And finally, one of the girls stops and and she like rubs her head and she goes, "Ow, you know, if it's not a headboard, it's just not worth it." <laughs> oh, 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 but um, oh man, I cringed so hard after hearing that. <laughs> I was like, ew. <laughs> so I, I oh get it. Gosh. I get it. Th- those sitcoms, they can they can make some very interesting <laughs> references if you're not careful, and you can lose your innocence real fast. But uh, oh, not yeah. not exactly the case with. Uh, with Attack of the Clones, I mean, yes, Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman, but for the for the most part, I when I went back and watched this movie again, I had a lot of very mature themes in the sense of like dealing with your depressions and your anger management, mm. Uh, mm. having to deal with loss, separation anxiety, that kind of thing. There's a lot more to this movie that I think I'm only now realizing now that I'm going back and watching it with more of a psychological perspective rather than just a moviegoer's perspective. It, yeah. It's really opened my eyes to a lot of new concepts. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it later, I'm sure. Yeah. But, like, yeah. overall, overall, yeah, people hate this movie. And I honestly, I get it, but I don't get it. And I think, like... Look, you can you can it's okay to say this movie is not my cup of tea or this movie is bad or whatever and still say there's a lot of great things in this movie. And that's my relationship with Attack of the Clones as is with like all the Star Wars movies. Like I don't hate any of them. I'm like, okay, I have issues, but I still love it. Like it's just it's just how it is. Like nothing is perfect. No movie is perfect except Empire. But Thank that's, you. that's another I was story about for another to say, day. There's yes. one movie that I have no issues with. Thank you very much. I don't know. I'm gonna work on. I'm gonna work on finding a flaw in Empire. And when we get Ooh. to that episode, oh. I'm gonna outline. I'm gonna. How dare you it. ruin it for everyone? I'm gonna. I'm gonna be hosting that night. And if you start saying crap, I'm just gonna hang up on you and keep talking. 
Okay, that's fair <laughs> enough. That's fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> so okay, so speaking speaking of Star Wars yeah. and speaking of of something, you know, we're, we're counting down to episode nine, and there was a little thing that showed up uh, in on Twitter because stuff happens on Twitter. Just for whatever reason, things happen. Ugh. People get into um, these memes or, or whatever, and so this thing called hashtags top for Star Wars started showing up, and really without any explanation, people just started posting screenshots of their top four Star Wars moments um, on Twitter. And I'm assuming it was top four and not top five simply because you, Twitter only allows four pictures to be posted right. at once. Oh. Um, so that explains I, it. I was so confused. Yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking. Like normally speaking, we do five, and yeah. this is breaking our sequence. But this isn't an official top five. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll do top five Star Wars moments at some point. On this is just no, a little an impromptu idea. thing. That is a really good idea. We've done a bunch of top five Star Wars ones, a few at least. We did top five creatures not that long ago. Um, oh, you know what? So, I actually yeah. made a uh, spreadsheet of all of our top fives that we've used and. And the suggested ones, and I forgot to send it to you, so I'll do that now. Oh, oh. Cool. see, for me, it's like I can barely remember what we did last week, much less what we did like. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you got to keep track of that. I or went you're start back repeating. through our archives on ipcpodcast.podbean.com wow. and like double and triple check to make sure I had all nice. of them. So, yeah, uh, I was nice. I was I was I was Mister Thorough for that day. So, right. when are we getting to the top five top fives show? Uh, eventually, we got to get enough top fives. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, eventually it's coming up pretty soon because uh we've done hold on let me see i'm opening up the spreadsheet now we've done one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen top five episodes here on the ipc wow. podcast wow so that's great we're getting there we are getting yeah. there uh, anyway. Well, this one doesn't officially count. No, it does not. it's not a top five. It's a top but four, damn it. It's a top Ooh. four. But we thought, hey, why not do this? We'll get in on the little trend here, and we'll, we'll share our top four Star Wars moments. Now, I I already posted mine publicly on Twitter because that I because I'm I'm trendy, all right? I get with it. You're a Twitter um, nerd. Yeah, yeah. But uh, for those of you who didn't see it or for whatever reason... um. I'll share mine, and then uh, you may go ahead and do that now, and then give you give you guys some time. Or do, by, are you, are you are, do you have yours ready? I think I have mine, but by all means, lead off, dude. Okay, yeah. should I just go through all of them? Sure, I guess. Yeah, we'll just we'll just we'll just list all four it. of them. Okay, it would help if I actually had my Twitter feed in front of me so that I could know because really? I done forgot. I done forgot what really? mine are. Really? Now that's <laughs> I I wrote mine down. So, I put I, I put mine I in forget. a note on my phone, but that that's about as high tech as I got with it. I that's... used the old Notepad.exe. Mm, mm. That's a throwback. All right, so so in in no particular order, but in chronological order, not in the order that I like them. Um, first up, we've got landing at Point Rain. I I, I the whole Ooh. episode of Clone Wars is a moment for me. But if nice. I had to, I had to narrow it down to the moment where the tr- clone troopers go through the the, the Geonosian cave and they're flamethrowing mm. everything. Mm. Um, that is amazing, and one of I up there. I had to include Clone Wars in here somewhere, and that's that's the moment that yeah. I chose. Um, next up is the hologram scene from Rogue One. 
Yes. Galen That almost made my list. That almost did. It was it was my top star. I'm sure I said it like a thousand times, but it's, it's my it was my top Star Wars scene ever for a while. But I think it got wow. dethroned by a couple things since then. Um, but that scene is yeah. it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, the next one is the Battle of Hoth from Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Pr- pretty self-explanatory there, but everything about that sequence is yeah. freaking amazing, from the music to the action to the everything. Um, and last, but certainly not least, is the uh, throne room scene from Last Jedi. Um, Rey, mm. Kylo versus the Praetorians. Yes. One of the best freaking moments in Star Wars ever, in my personal opinion. But, yeah, uh, yeah that's my four. That's, who, wants, who, who wants to go that's next? That's awesome. Um, I'll take it next. Uh, so, when you first mentioned that, that that when you were doing a top four, I was like, how, how am I going to narrow this down? <laughs> and I'm just listening to your list you know, just underscores that. Because I'm like, dang, all those could have been in my top four, too. Like, those are all amazing moments that I that I love so much. And some of them I actually did consider for this list. Um, but there's so many moments, and I, and I have a feeling all of our lists are going to be quite different, which is really cool, too. Um, so uh, I have a few honorable mentions that I want to get to quickly. Um, ones that I kind of was playing around with and they just, I just, as, as I was thinking of other things, I remembered things. I was like, oh, I like that a little better. So, uh, my, my two honorable mentions, um, is, is one that I, I took out just cause it's just too obvious, which is the moment where Han comes in to save the day during the trench run in episode four. Yeah. And he says, you're all ki- clear kid now. It's supposed to go home. Like that that is that is like that is the first big moment on screen for Star Wars, the first climactic moment ever that audiences saw, and so that has to that has to be, I have to mention that. Um, and then the other honorable mention is just a really subtle moment that I think is hugely underrated, which, funnily enough, is actually about moments. <laughs> um, it's the um, uh, leaving with the trash scene. From Empire, oh, um, oh when 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 they're when they're leaving with the trash and and Boba Fett spots them, um, and you have you have Leia saying to Han, "You have your moments, not many of them, but you do have them." And then you have that swelling of the of their of their love theme after that. Like that that's that's my that's my favorite like Leia and Han moment because that's the moment where like you know like she's falling in love with him, and. Mm. Yeah, it's just really subtle, and it's just one of many amazingly written and acted lines from that film. Um, so my actual moments, I, I went with the emotional moments here specifically. Um, so there's a theme here. Uh, so these are not just like my four top moments, but these are like the four most kind of top emotional moments for me in Star Wars. Uh, number four, I have Ray calling the lightsaber from. The Force Awakens. Nice. Uh, that that moment where you know you have you have Kylo calling calling it to him, and he's struggling, and he can't he can't. It's it's wiggling a little bit. It's not going to him, but then it starts flying, and you're like, oh no, he he got it. And then it just comes at him way too fast, and he ducks, and it goes over his head, and then you see her grabbing it, and then you have that swelling of the of the Force theme. Uh, just, just one of the, that. That's kind of like the Star Wars is back moment for me, where you know, like, okay, they got this. Disney's got this. They can, 
they can give us these same emotions that George Lucas gave us. So that's that's really big. Um, number three, I had to include include the Clone Wars too, and uh, I went with one of the big emotional moments from the show, which is Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order mm-hmm. from season five. Yep. Um, yep. I'm sorry, Master, but I'm not coming back. And then that amazing Kevin Kiner score um, and and artistry uh, and lighting of the shots after that. Amazing. Nice. Um, number two, uh, I I I was considering that hologram scene, Ben. But I I while I loved that scene, I think that I was even more emotionally and visually blown away by some of the scenes at the end of that movie. So in general, I'd like to just say the ending of Rogue like One, the last, like the last thirty minutes. Yeah, the last, I'm going to narrow it down to like the last seven minutes when you get into that that really great um, Michael Giacchino score with the Your Father Would Be Proud moment and then leading into the, 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 the Vader hallway scene and then the, 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 the hope line from Leia. Like that, that, that kind of grouping of scenes right there. Like at any moment during those scenes, the movie could have ended and it would have been perfect, but they just kept going. And so I got to give that number two. And then finally, number one, um, I think this is the scene that is at the heart and the center of the entire Star Wars saga, the entire Star Wars story, and that is uh, Vader versus Luke in Return of the Jedi uh, in the throne, in the Emperor's throne room, Um, and specifically the moment where Luke is trying to hide from vader he doesn't want to fight him vader provokes him by saying he's going to go after leia if he won't if he won't turn and then you have luke out of out of love trying to protect his sister finally engaging with vader beating him defeating him going to kill him realizing that if he kills him, he will just become him. That amazing symbolism with the with the hand, the robotic hands, um, and then his line, "I am a Jedi like my father before me." Like that is that is the most chill inducing chill inducing emotional moment in in Star Wars for me. Nice, I like that. Mm. Great list. It is a great list, and uh, you talking about the last half hour of Rogue One. Rogue One made me think of like rethink. Do I need to try and put that into my list? Because <laughs> I know same thing with Ben was talking. I'm like, shoot, I forgot about that. I forgot about because that. <laughs> like that's still the most watched movie I've ever seen in the theaters was Rogue One, mm. and yeah. I went because I wanted to soak up that last half hour of the movie yeah. as many times as I could. Yeah. It's just breathtaking. Um, Thankfully, I have it on digital download now, so I can basically take it anywhere I dang well please and can watch it anytime I dang well want. But awesome. that's uh, that's another story. So when I was coming up with mine, I thought, you know what? I need to take big takeaway moments that mean something to me mm. from each of the different sections of Star Wars, if you will. Um. So I didn't take anything from the books, obviously, but I probably would have if we had been talking about moments from the books. But uh, I chose a sequence that meant a lot to me from the prequels, 
from the Clone Wars, from the original trilogy, and then the new trilogy. So there's like one big takeaway from each of the different aspects of Star Wars. Nice. <clears throat> For the uh, prequel trilogy, it was the reveal of Darth Maul's double-bladed lightsaber. Oh, I almost put that one in there. When you, I almost did. When you see that him, was my number seven. When you see him open up <laughs> yes. the, the lightsaber sideways, you're like, that's a really weird fighting style. Like, everybody else <laughs> kind of just opens it straight up and down. Why are you opening it from the, oh. Yes. <laughs> and that moment for me was just like, it, it opened up this whole new world of Star Wars for me almost. Like, holy crap. You can have lightsabers on both sides? What else can this universe do? Like, all of a sudden, my interest was just doubled because I wanted to know what else this galaxy was capable of. If you could do something like this, there's nothing you could do. And so mm. it just, like, fostered my imagination so much, realizing that super awesome characters like this can have super awesome potential. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a really big deal for me with the prequels. Um, in the original trilogy, uh, this is, this is very nuanced. This is very specific, but I think it's probably one of my favorite sequences in all of Star Wars, period. Um, you see a shuttle go from one Star Destroyer to another. You see Hmm. a man choking for the second time in this movie he croaks gasps and he's gone and the dark lord just walks past him and very dryly says apology accepted captain nita (laughs) that moment gives me chills every Mm. time interesting every time like i said it's very nuanced but when you're watching Captain Nita say that he's going to take full responsibility and apologize, you know it's not going to end well. And it doesn't end well. And yet, the apology is accepted, but only after Nita pays for it with his own life. Mm. And then it has ties into uh, Return of the Jedi, because when... uh, when when the commander of of the of the second death star says that they're going to double their efforts he says i hope so commander for your sake the emperor is not as forgiving as i am and so you realize it's like okay vader's going to kill you but at least he forgives you the emperor is not even going to do that and so it just gives you like this perspective of the empire and the empire's structure from that one moment. And so I, I always love that sequence. Um, wow. From the Clone Wars, I again, I'm like you, Ben. I had to pick, like, something. Because I, there are so many different elements of the Clone Wars and so many different arcs and stories and characters that I love. But wow. uh, one group that I was always attached to was the Domino Squad. I loved the episode Rookies, and I loved watching the Domino Squad. And there, there was there was one sequence where you've got a couple of ARC troopers that go on an adventure. Fives and Echo. They try and help break Master Evan Peel out of the Citadel. 
the the middle episode of that arc where Echo dies in the explosion. I mourned the loss of that clone trooper like I would mourn the loss of a friend. Mm. And that was when I realized just how emotional the Clone Wars could be. That you could get so attached to certain characters that when they get yanked from you in such a dramatic fashion, you feel something from it. Mm. And the Clone Wars gave me feels that night and several other nights after that. But that was one of the first times I experienced it. And it's it's like something that I, I still keep like logged in the back of my mind. One of my profile pictures on Facebook from years and years ago was the smoking helmet of Echo that they do when they like are about to go Iris out or something like that. There's like one sequence there where you can see the helmet. And I took a screenshot of that and made it my profile picture for several months because I was just that devastated by the loss. <laughs> all I needed <laughs> wow. was all I needed was like a ribbon or something in the bottom right corner. But <laughs> but I digress. Um obviously we're not finished with this trilogy yet, so I'm going to pick, you know, what's my favorite from these two movies so far and I do love the Praetorian Guards fight scene. I do really really love the choreography of that. It's brilliant. Um, but even more so than that, I think I really enjoyed, um, Poe's entrance on Takodana in The Force oh, Awakens. Yeah. Oh, man, yes. When he's coming in and he's just lighting everybody else up in the sky and on the ground, you know, he's taking out ship after ship, fighter after fighter, uh, soldier after soldier. It's like the dude is impeccable with his accuracy and loves what he does and at one point Finn just stops and cheers and he's like that's one hell of a pilot you're like yeah that can only be one person that's doing that and (laughs) it really solidified his reputation as a hotshot pilot because up until then we just been told that he was and then he steals a TIE fighter and gets shot down so you really see like his abilities on display in that sequence and the March of the Resistance music is playing in the background and everybody's cheering and celebrating and and everybody's got hope again and they've rejoined the fray and it's all sparked because of what Poe does when he first arrives on the scene. So um, out of the stuff from the new trilogy, I think that's the one that sends chills up my spine more than anything else. Those were wow. all, both of you, really fantastic choices. I, I put... I put a- good amount of thought into mine but even I, I'm doing the same thing you were doing like oh that's a great one like I should have included that one in mine <laughs> yeah. because I love the specificness that some people went with it that you know like some people were like oh this one like you know with Chris it was like the emotional moments other thing yeah. just really you can look at it so different ways and there's so many when you're talking about moments like I'm not sure how long is a moment exactly <laughs> like how you know is is the ending of row one the last 30 minutes is that a moment you know really <laughs> I don't know Probably not, but uh, it's the way you can interpret this has been great, and and you can follow the hashtag. Of course, just type in top uh, the let the number four um, Star Wars on uh, hashtag on Twitter to see probably a billion posts by now 
um, all about that. And some on Facebook too, I'm sure. Cause I posted mine on Facebook, even though you know, because that's what I do. But whatever. <laughs> um, that's uh, that was awesome, and uh, a lot of great lists here. Oh, for sure. Now, I have a feeling we're gonna have some favorite moments that are gonna come out of this final installment. Oh ho ho! Hopefully so. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of the a a lot of the stuff that you're seeing. Uh, now that's it's mostly speculation let's be honest there's a lot of speculation that's going on surrounding episode nine uh for uh for episode nine uh the the characters or the storyline whatever the what what do you call it it's not the the mulligan what is the 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 MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. why did mm. i think it was the mulligan <laughs> I'm thinking. Close. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of like mini golf or bowling, and it's like, oh, I got a mulligan. No. <laughs> a- every trilogy, they get a MacGuffin mulligan. Okay, fair. <laughs> what if the Mag- What if the mulligan is the MacGuffin? <laughs> oh, now we're getting really trippy. But from no, what if it's someone named Mulligan who's who is uh, Mulligan MacGuffin is his name. <laughs> he's the, he's he's going to be the new hope for the galaxy. Oh man! Someone, someone actually named MacGuffin being the MacGuffin. How meta would that be? <laughs> man. Okay, man. I don't. Come on, JJ, you can do it. <laughs> you're only done with principal photography, and you're already working on post production. You can go back and do this reshoot for us. No big deal. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay. So it's 264 days away. That's that's your official count. Well, of course, we're recording this. On Saturday, we well, normally record on Friday, but whatever. Um, and uh, so you may be listening to this in the future. That means you're even closer Woot. to it. And that means you're, you could be 250-something days. Who knows? Um, it could be under 100 it's... days, and you're going back and listening to all our episodes about the Star Wars movies to get caught up and get ready for Episode Nine. That would be something that I would recommend, because that's basically what we did uh, last time we went through these episodes i was gonna say last year but we didn't talk about these star wars movies last year uh the last time we discussed all of the previous star wars movies was when we discussed one through six to get ready for episode seven so that was back in the fall of 2015 was the last time we talked about these movies and so yeah the last time we actually talked about attack of the clones was fall of 2015 so it has been it's been a while but the the beautiful thing is with celebration just a couple of weeks away they've been able to keep a lot of things under wraps there's there's been a lot that really has not been like revealed. most we of had the a things. teaser before endgame we haven't really had uh much other than a leaked poster that's not even the official movie poster like most everything has been kept under wraps. And the yeah. the beautiful thing is the next movie we discuss will be Revenge of the Sith, and that won't be until the end of April. And so by then, Celebration Chicago will have passed, and there will be mm. worlds of new content to discuss in preparation for Episode Nine. Heck, we may even have a title by then. My, maybe, maybe, who knows? They may be holding that for November. I mean, we don't know yet. We we might not know till we, we sit down in the theater. Until you actually that's sit right. down and the scroll starts rolling and you're like, oh, that's what it's going to be called. If, if I had my choice, heck yes, I would be yeah. down for that. 
Here's the can thing. you imagine? Can you imagine actually paying attention to the crawl because you don't know the title of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I pay attention to the crawl, anyways. What are you talking about? But this is one of those unique movies for me, where much like Avengers Endgame, I don't need much other than a release date. Yeah. To get me to go right. see it, yeah. I don't need a teaser. I don't need a cast list. I don't need a title. I no. I just need to know when I'm buying my ticket. <laughs> this Pretty is much. And, Pretty and much. so the stuff that is getting released is interesting because we've got a, a released or, or a leaked, not even a released, a leaked poster that's uh, apparently going to be used for retail purposes uh, once it's like officially released. And then we yeah. also got some leaked promo art and uh, character names as well. So we're getting little bit by little bit here, but uh, I, I feel like a lot more will be revealed in a couple of weeks. Yeah, but it's it's I, I love stuff like this because, like, Zana, who is played by Naomi Aki, and then Zori, who is probably played by Carrie Russell, like those are going to be household names in a few months. <laughs> Well, and, but right now, right now we don't know. And I'm excited yeah. because, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time we've had a character in the Star Wars universe with a Z name since Zam Wessel. And you know what yeah. we we talked about? Of course, me and Chris talked about this on the Star Wars Normal podcast. We get some Zam vibes from from this oh, character, from Zori, absolutely. And so it's funny that you have. Another Z named character, or Zed, if you're anywhere else. <laughs> okay, Zeb from from Rebels, but even then, that's not right. that, that's his nickname, but not his full name. Gela Zebarelios. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited because Naomi Aki, and I'm also right. I'm also excited because there are a couple of Z names, not just one. You've got two: Zana and Zori. And uh, yeah, and... I didn't even it didn't even dawn on me. Really, it didn't even dawn on me. Really, dude. No, no. Actually, you know what? You know what? That's wrong. I mistyped it. It's Jana. I'll screw you. <laughs> I typed <laughs> too fast. It's Jana. It's not. It's not Zana. Zana's good, but nope. It's Jana. Crap. <laughs> Crap. No wonder I didn't notice it. It's not. It's fake. I made it up. Fake news. You are the oh fake God. news, and you gave me false hope. Screw you, Ben Hart with no E. Oh, boy. You're Ben Hart with oh no gosh. heart. You know that? I, I knew that already. You are, a, that. you are a heartless, soulless ginger. Wow, okay. okay I, I yeah. one, one word, one letter, and it's uh, game over. Because apparently. I had my hopes set on like getting attached to two characters with Z names, and now I can only latch on to one of them. Uh, maybe maybe JJ will throw another one in there for you. Uh, throw me a bone, no. Mr. Abrams, please. Lando, Lando has changed his name to Zando in this one. <laughs> Man, okay. Can, can I just say... The Lando costume looks like the one he wore on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> I don't remember what he wore on Dancing with the Stars, but I'm not going to argue with you. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love Billy D. Williams, but he had no business being on Dancing with the Stars. Well, he had to I drop think most out. of the most of the people don't. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Jeez, man. 
Ugh. Gotta gotta give it gotta give it to him though. Like he's still out there. You've seen the videos of him of online. Him doing his workouts, absolutely. Yeah, no, like he's yeah. doing the punching bags, all that kind of stuff. Like the dude's a badass. He's like eighty five or I, what? How old is he? How old is Billy D? Like he's 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 really old and he's still out there. He he's he's a badass man. I, he, I'm proud know, he's of in this him. movie. I, he's eighty one years old. I'm, My God. I'm very proud of him. Don't don't get me wrong on that. I'm not trying to make it sound like like I hate the man. It's just the the the, the stuff that they did on Dancing with the Stars felt more like pandering than it was actual competition. And it was like a glorified appearance and they all thanked him for being there. But when it came down to it, he got like a six or something like that out of ten. Right. It it was pretty it was clever on their part because a lot of the dancing was him just kind of like just standing, standing, standing there swaying. And then his partner would kind of dance around him. Yep. Um, you know, but still props to him for at least trying. And he actually bowed out, I think, before he before the, the show finished. But, uh, yeah, he's uh. Yeah, that was uh, was a bit awkward. It was it was just a little on the weird side, and it, it, going back to the costumes, like the cape and the yellow shirt, and like the belt coming across the chest. It and and he's got a cane too. I really hope the cane has an amber circle on the top with a little mosquito stuck inside of it. <laughs> it's the Zillow Beast DNA. Yes, yes, please. That would be such a cool call back to Jurassic Park. I would absolutely adore yeah. that. But, uh, you know, everything that we're seeing here, aside from Janna and Zori, <laughs> the other characters, they look like they're pretty much in their traditional garb. Ray, however, if if you'll notice, is in pretty much all white Yeah, in her costume. I guess, I guess, married. I, I guess it's, I guess it's, about time, in typical Star Wars heroine fashion, they always end up in an all-white costume at some point. They do, but if she is kind of in the vein of the Luke Skywalker character of the original trilogy, it's an interesting contrast, considering by the third movie of Luke's trilogy, he was wearing all black. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, Luke went through a progression. He was white, gray, black. And she yeah. started, she started brown, went to black, then is now white. So she's just kind of all over the place. I I don't, I don't know if there is a trend or if there's not a trend. But it's just interesting to me that leading up to this point, by the third movie in Luke's trilogy, it was it was all dark colors, with the panel showing that the inside of him was always light, like that kind of storytelling. You just what? What if it's the opposite for Ray? What if? What if what there's if? something dark underneath all those layers? Well, of white? The, 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 the 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 darkness of Luke's costume, the black of it, was supposed to tease us. Oh, what if he's going to go dark? What if yeah. he could go that way? And ultimately, he doesn't. As you said, the, the great meme that floats around that like the thing, his part of his costume falls out, and it was it's gray underneath or white and shows that hey he was always like that thing what if her costume on the inside is black signaling that she will go to the dark side at the end of this film wow that would be something else it's it's that it's that mirroring storytelling that lucas was always such a fan of everyone thinks that ben solo is going to be redeemed and i'm in that camp i think he's going to get redeemed too but they're not saying anything about ray what happens to ray 
I don't think she's mm. gonna die, but what if Ben Solo is redeemed and she goes the other direction? That would be insane. She utilizes a lot of anger and aggression in both of her big fight scenes. Watch that Praetorian fight scene. She's screaming. She's like, you know, these, you know, um, like primal screams yeah. at those pra- Praetorians. Like she's using a lot of her emotions in those fights. Yep. It's not out of the possibilities. I know it's not going to happen, but it could happen. I mean, anything is possible right now. That's the beauty of the speculation about Episode Nine, As you said, nobody's really going to know for another 264 days. That is the countdown to Episode Nine from this point of March 30th, 2019. At this point, nobody really knows. And one of our friends, Toasted Zen, in the chat says, Revenge of the Sith is too good a film to be drowned out by Episode Nine. Don't you worry, my friend. We will have plenty of a hearty discussion surrounding Episode 3, but we like to kick off the show talking about some other things as well. So we may oh, yeah. we may discuss you know a little bit about some of the stuff to Episode 9, but there's going to be dedicated time allotted to the particular episode discussion, much like tonight, which if you guys have any other thoughts about this uh, name reveal or the promotional art reveals, we might need to go ahead and jump into talking about the movie. I'm, 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 I'm ready, man. Let's get into it. Okay, so episode two, uh, set ten years after The Phantom Menace. It's got the name Attack of the Clones. People weren't completely sure what it meant, but uh, obviously with Luke's uh, reference to fighting in the Clone Wars in A New Hope, you're thinking this has to be... Uh, a part of that, or it has to be leading up to that, and um, it does, obviously, and there's a lot of other storytelling that goes on around the story of the clones. One of these narratives is one that still confuses me to this t- to this day, and I want to get you guys' thoughts on it. Very mm-hmm. rarely, in what we know about the Jedi Order, very rarely does a Padawan separate from a master? They're pretty much joined at the hip. Everything that we see in the Clone Wars, everything that we know about them from, you know, the the prequel trilogy, I would say outside of the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin, most of the time you're seeing the apprentices with the masters. What is it that makes... Anakin and Obi-Wan different? Why are they the deviants and why are they allowed to separate in such a drastic, pivotal manner at such a drastic, pivotal time? I I honestly feel like it has something to do with Palpatine. Like, I, 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 I know, like, this is something that, that, that we haven't really gotten really deep into in the Star Wars canon, which is how much of a role did Palpatine actually play and the relationship between Anakin and Padme, and the destabilization of Anakin's trust for the for the Jedi Order, and you have like hints here and there, like you have some stuff that's been coming out in the comic books where it's hinted that maybe Palpatine and Plagueis had something to do with Anakin's creation and all this stuff. Um, but you know, I, I I would I would wonder maybe that has something to do with that manipulation there, where Palpatine's trying to manufacture a situation where they are split up so that Anakin is easier to manipulate. Because obviously, you know, the reason why the, the the big thing that that Palpatine uses to 
finally seduce Anakin is his attachment to Padme and his fears surrounding that. And those might not have happened if he wasn't separated from Obi-Wan long enough to to create those, form those attachments and those fears. So I, I think it might be a part of the conspiracy, actually, that that happened. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you, you look at all three of these films, um, all the major events are manipulations, uh, are in res- are a result of manipulations by Palpatine. And, you know, and obviously, I mean, he does it, I mean, you could definitely say that, you know, I, and sometimes the Jedi Council, like, puts him, like, they tell him, I like, go, go go speak to the Chancellor, so, you know, you can, she, he can convince Padme to go away from the Senate. Like, they're kind of pushing him towards Palpatine, they're allowing this to happen, and it ends up kind of literally biting them in the butt in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, in the future, but like, yeah, you know, you have going off of your point, Zach. Like, Darth Maul is able to defeat Qui Gon and Obi Wan by defying them in yeah. the Phantom Menace and, kill, right. and kills Qui Gon, almost kills Obi Wan. Right. Um, Anakin is separated from Obi Wan. He's not had Obi Wan been there. You know. You know, all this stuff happening. I mean, there's even a theory. I think I don't know if it's canon or not, but there's there's the whole thing about did Dooku who's working for Palpatine, hire the Tusken Raiders to kidnap his mother and torture his mother so that Anakin would go down that path. Mm. Um, I Ooh. like that theory. And obviously I think a lot of that is having to do with, you know, and of course not having Obi-Wan backing him up. And then, and then you go to Revenge of the Sith, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a few weeks, but like Obi-Wan is sent away to Utapau, and th- th- that's when Palpatine starts, you know, seducing yeah. Anakin to the dark side. Like, separating them is what happens, so it's a big deal. Anakin being on his own with Palpatine is the worst thing. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, pretty much the entire prequel trilogy is surrounding the concept of Palpatine's master manipulation creating chaos in a time when there was peace. The entire war was constructed. You know, the, the, the yeah. entire situation. He sent Dooku to be the spearhead of this revolution so that he could handle things on the Republic side and create a civil war that he is in control over from the very beginning. This, right. this manipulation, it, it doesn't surprise me if that were true. Uh, I feel like Tusken Raiders are a bit more on the savage side than than what somebody like Dooku could have influence over. But what if there was somebody on the inside? What if what if they'd hired mm. like a bounty hunter or an assassin to infiltrate that Tuscan Raider group and become like the leader or something like that? And they were one of the ones that eventually led the raiding party that kidnapped Shmi. I mean, I know I'm going down a bit of a rabbit trail here. <laughs> no, 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 I created this one, um, yeah. so it's yeah. fine. But I, I think it just, it just got me thinking. I've been thinking a lot about all three of these films lately because I, I just recently um, went through the uh, all the novelizations and audiobooks. I actually, this week, I think for the first time ever, I watched this movie with the commentary on. Um, which is great. I highly recommend it. I don't know why. I just never. I don't think it's. It's either been a long, long time, or I never watched it. But uh, and with with the novelizations in particular, 
they do get into it. My 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 whole thing was like you know, and they don't get into it in the movie much. They just kind of mention it offhand, but like a, a bunch of people go out after Shmi and they all are killed. Like it's a big deal, and like they specifically capture her and torture her. They do, they don't kill her. Why would they do that? If they're savages, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they just kill her? Right. That's, that, that's what makes me think. That's what makes me think is that the, there's something different about this particular Tuscan uh, group, and maybe they are more sophisticated. I I don't know what the word would be. Less savage, but uh, right. But I I don't know, man. Yeah, see, I, I I've never thought of the Tuscan Raiders as being like incredibly savage i mean you have the lines in star wars saying like that they're they're animals and i think in star wars you kind of have this idea that you know people think of them as as monsters but i mean really they're they're not i mean they they're their own culture they're their own civilization i mean i don't know if it's what level of candidate it is but i mean their backstory typically has been like that they're related to the jawa people too and obviously like the jawas are 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 traders so they and junk dealers so they they, they they're civilized society quote unquote um so i think i think that you know all these these species you know they're species there but they're not they're not monsters they're not animals they're not they're not creatures on that level and so I think they would be very capable of conspiring um, with with someone uh, in, in this way. But yeah, I agree with that. And but, but going back to uh, just the other side of things, which is the kind of the internal non manipulation reasons why Anakin and Obi Wan separate. It's interesting because you have this line of Jedi, uh, five successive generations of Jedi that that have trained each other that uh, Master and Apprentice, that all are extremely unorthodox that the Star Wars saga follows. And that, right. that starts with Yoda. And it's like, Yoda, of course, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the top Jedi. He's the oldest Jedi. He's the wisest Jedi. He's the most powerful Jedi. You know, he's at, at the top of this thing. But he's not, he's not necessarily the most orthodox Jedi, and you really see them get into that in the Clone Wars with the mm-hmm. with the Yoda arc. How you know he's the one that's dealing with all this stuff, and he's almost going behind everybody else's back to you know sneak out of the Jedi t- Temple and go on his uh, on his journey. And he's getting he's conspiring with with Anakin to help him get out and like all this stuff. You know, so he, he's a little bit of a rebel too, even though he's the oldest, wisest one. And then it's him that's chosen by the by the wills to. To, to transcend, you know, death ultimately. And so it starts with him. So he did something in his training with of uh of of um Count Dooku that uh that caused that, him that to led, be a deviant. Yeah, yeah, du- Dooku, but what's interesting is that sometimes it, it 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 turns out for the better and sometimes it turns out for the worse that they're unorthodox. With Dooku, it turns out for the worse because he ends up being swayed by by Palpatine and and Sifo-Dyas and Plagueis and all of these others, and I of course can't wait for that um, Dooku um, audio play thingy podcast thingy that they're re- gonna be yeah, releasing because yeah. they're gonna. I'm hoping they get really into his his turn. Hopefully that would be really interesting. Um, but so he's unorthodox, and of course, so then he's training Qui Gon, and Qui Gon is obviously very unorthodox. Qui-Gon's and he's super unorthodox. That's what yeah, I love about yeah, him. Yeah, so. 
yeah, so he's subscribing to kind of a view of like the the living force and stuff that's kind of different than, and he's always at odds with the with the with the the council. Um, so Obi Wan, of course, Obi Wan's always trying to be the counterbalance to to Qui Gon. Like he's he's trying to follow the rules, you know. But when you're trained and you spend that much time around somebody who doesn't follow the rules, who's a rule breaker. Um, it, the be- even if you try your best to counter that and be and be a, a good Jedi, uh, I, I and a role model Jedi, I, I you can't really. Some of that's got to rub off, and it clearly did because then you end up with Obi Wan being one of the last few remaining Jedi's left, and Obi Wan's the one that also transcends death along with with Yoda. So he's unorthodox. So then that line, of course, finally gets to Anakin. And you got to think that 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 whole all that history, he's like a fifth generation rebel Jedi, pretty much. Of course, he's going to do things that are that are uh, very different and unorthodox. And one of them might be, you know, going off on a mission by himself when he clearly is not old enough and mature enough to to handle what's going on. Um, And perhaps that's what. Palpatine stepped in and, and manipulated or perhaps it's just that it was just a natural progression of things and Palpatine just let it happen and let it fall you know fall into into his uh into his plan I don't know we may never know but I, I think there's definitely a lot of explanation for it too just going going back through just the history of, of the Jedi and how everything led up to that moment right no uh, I mean that that's a very fair point is What's the point of watching a series about people who are traditional and follow the rules? It's a very yeah. boring story. Why yeah. why why would you want to follow something like that when you can follow a rogue or you can follow someone unorthodox or you can see the story of a rule breaker whose story turns out okay in the end anyways? Like those are all the best stories out there. Indiana Jones, you know, that kind of thing. There are there are characters out there that are meant to be rule breakers. And I I feel like Anakin's character was meant to be one of those, but so often his character came across to me as more of a adolescent throwing a temper tantrum than Oh, it, it absolutely a it absolutely it absolutely is like it's definitely in this movie and yeah it's it's not the best performance it's not the best writing but you can see if you take it in context you take Hayden Christensen's performance in context and the entire film you understand like this is it's not that different from you know I'm going I want to go to Tosh Station to pick up some power converters it, it's not it's really the same thing it's just it's more from Anakin. You're getting more of his, you know, just angsty teen. Even though he look, you know, he's you know really tall and you know, and he's he seems older. My goodness, Annie, you've grown. <laughs> but he's he's going through a phase in this movie, and he's he's growing as a character. And you're you you're having to establish being that you only have three movies to do that, and the last movie was all about him just being a kid, kind of an innocent kid that didn't whine, seem to whine about anything or complain about anything, was very happy to now being a a grown adult who is dealing with all this kind of stuff, not just having feelings for Padme, but also 
dealing with the loss of his mother and all this kind of stuff and, and dealing with a whole lot of emotions, but also sowing the seeds of distrust and resentment against the Jedi because they're not doing what they are, even against Obi-Wan, who he, I mean, goes on to be even better friends with, we we see in the Clone Wars and in, in Revenge of the Sith, but still, there's that underlying, you know, presence of Obi-Wan's holding me back, he's jealous, all this kind of stuff. I think that, that stuff is there, it's just kind of, it's kind of brought out in this movie, and it's there, but ultimately, you know, he hides it away or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, the Attack of the Clones very much is, you know, this snapshot of uh, Anakin's life where, you know, he, he doesn't really know who he is and he's trying to figure out, you know, how, how to how to integrate, you know, his, his impulses to break the rules in with with a structure that, uh, that, you know, he gets approval from other people. And, you know, at this point, you know, anything that he does to rebel is, you know, it's, it's going against the, the system. And it's not until the war breaks out that all of a sudden that becomes a huge advantage because the Jedi are put out of their element and they need out-of-the-box thinkers and rebels to uh, be successful on the, on, the, on the battlefield. And so, I, I, again, reason one out of a million to be grateful for the Clone Wars because then you're able to see you know, how that rebellious, unorthodox streak in Anakin um, is is something that that, it, that that can be used to his advantage and not something that just makes you think that he's an annoying teenager. Right. And, and you know, and it's funny, you know, re- referencing Qui-Gon, like, obviously, like, whether it was intentional or unintentionally on Anakin's part, he is almost a spitting image of Qui-Gon, even, even more so in, in regards to Disobeying the council, not doing you know what I think is going thing, doing what he feels is right, and as opposed to the rules, and you know that's the whole thing with with especially this trilogy is the fact that and and it's, and it's something that I never considered until the Clone Wars really kind of pointed it out um, was you know having this establishment of the Jedi that's been there for thousands of years um, that's ultimately we're seeing it in its waning days. It's it's failing. It's corrupt. It's uh, just a you know the corruption in the Senate that Palpatine talks about. You know, he's not exactly wrong. You know, the, the the Senate is pretty useless at this point, and the Jedi is pretty much a wing of the Senate and an arm of that body. And, you know, you need, after thousands of years, you after just a couple hundred years here on the real world, it doesn't take long for an establishment of, of a, a group of people to uh, get pretty useless and start making dumb decisions. You can imagine after a few thousand years that the Jedi are... Oh, yeah in deep and just not doing the right thing all the time, obviously, and are just blind to what's coming. Whereas people like Qui-Gon and Anakin, and I think a lot of that rubs, a lot of that, those Jedi rubbed off on Obi-Wan and on Yoda and what helped them to end up surviving the the purge. Very true. Well, and you mentioned the awareness of what's going on in the Senate. That's something that Dooku tries to expose to Obi-Wan when he's interrogating him. Yeah, he hate I me. Mean, that's the fascinating thing about that scene. He's telling the truth. Yeah, he's everything he says is true, but and you can almost almost feel sorry for Dooku. It's almost it's you can almost interpret that scene as kind of a cry for help. That Dooku's mm-hmm. like, I'm in with this Sith Lord, but like you know, Obi Wan, you and me can do this. We can get together. We can take out Sidious. And Obi Wan's like, 
nah, you're lying, man. And, like, no, he wasn't. So that that's a question that I wanted to pose to you guys, is I have a hard time interpreting this scene accurately. I, for a long time, thought that he was just using reverse psychology on him, that, that he knew Obi-Wan wasn't going to believe him, so why bother coming up with an elaborate lie when the truth is just as bad? Huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I can see that, um, but I but think then that. But then there's a real personal appeal at the end, where it's like, "You must yeah. join me, Obi Wan, and together we will destroy the Sith." Like it almost it 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 sounds like a a plea that's even stronger than the plea that Sauron made to Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings a couple <laughs> of years previously. Like those two conversations are eerily similar to me, yeah, in, in the sense that. You know, Christopher Lee's character is making a very convincing appeal, and the other, you know, primary uh, protagonist is looking at you going, you're mad. Of course I'm never going to join you. Like, all this guy wants is an apprentice. I'm sure, I'm sure, I mean, first of all, out of universe, George Lucas, it's interesting that, you know, the, 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 the character of old Ben, in a lot of ways, is based off of that wizard... Uh, archetype that is that is Gandalf so it's kind of funny that you have that speech being given to the younger version of that same character in um, a Star Wars film so that that's I've never even connected that so deeply so that's interesting but yeah I think that the one thing that you see repeated over and over again in Star Wars is when you have um, a a Sith or uh, I guess in the case of Kylo and Snoke a dark side master and apprentice you know the apprentice is always looking for ways to become the master and to control others and so uh and of course you have you know dooku he he ended up you know utilizing uh savage and utilizing asajj ventress you know to, to to gain power and perhaps get to a point where he can gang up on 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 sidious uh later so I think that it makes sense that, you know, he's going to take every opportunity that he can to get uh, powerful force users by his side so that there is a power imbalance and that he, with their help, can become, you know, the top dog, um, just just like uh, every every Sith master has, has, has supplanted their previous master before them. So I, I think that it's, it's very straightforward what's going on. There and I think that you know, Dooku. I, I think Sith assume that all Jedi are corruptible. I mean, look, look at how you know Vader and Palpatine both assumed that Luke would join them. I don't think they really had any idea that that, that Luke would refuse that. They thought they had they had him. Um, your overconfidence they, is your weakness. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously Kylo was expecting Rey. To, to join him so the, even though as an audience we're looking at these characters and we're looking at how wholesome they are and we're like oh there's no way luke or ray would ever would ever succumb to this uh i think from the perspective of the dark side users you know everybody is corruptible they they see you know that that darkness and that potential for the dark side within everybody because no one's a perfect individual everybody's tempted by by power and and control and so yeah i think that i think that uh dooku was being genuine there and that he genuinely thought that there was a possibility 
that uh, Obi Wan uh, would 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 join him, and he uses you know he uses the same tactics by invoking Obi Wan's past relationships to do that, just like you know Palpatine invoked the legacy of Darth Vader on on Luke, saying you know you have to follow in your father's footsteps here, and just like how. Kylo, you know, invoked Ray's legacy as a nobody and said, you know, you don't have any other option here. No one cares for you. I'm the only one who cares for you. Like, right. it's the same thing. You know, you have Dooku saying, you know, Qui-Gon, I wish Qui-Gon were here. You know, insinuating that, you know, your master, your master would have made this decision, would have joined me in this in this fight. So, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's all straightforward there. And as an audience, we're like, well, why is he doing this? There's no way Obi-Wan would ever turn. But in Dooku's head, like... This is how it's done, and it only needs to yeah, happen Duke, once. Yeah, Dooku himself is just an enigma, and that's why I'm really excited about that aforementioned, you know, yeah. Dooku audio novel, as they're calling yeah. it, that's coming out, because yeah. we don't, even after all these years, don't know a whole lot about Dooku, and he's very mysteriously, you know, kind of presented in this film, and he doesn't show up until the third act. Like, you know, he's yeah. he's he introduced very late in the game and then he, he loses his head in the first part of the next movie. So, yeah. you know, it, it's a, he he has uh, being that it's the late great Christopher Lee that, that plays him. It's a shame he got so little screen time, but what mm-hmm. he does get is great. And that whole scene is I mean, we're, we're spending so much time on already, like, you know, talking about the, the idea and what Dooku was t- talking about. And I don't. Like I don't think I don't see a redemption art for Dooku, but in the sense he's saying like, "Hey, come with me. We'll go kill Sidious, and then the Sith will be extinguished." Well, you're a Sith though. Like, how does that right. work? Obviously, it has to be a trick. It has to be Dooku trying to get Obi Wan to come to his side. But as 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 Chris says, like Sith are just overconfident. They think everyone's going to come and you know be be uh you know seduced by the power but as as we learn you know obi-wan is is pretty uncorruptible indeed well i I think the other problem is dooku was probably barking up the wrong tree Mm -hmm. because obviously through anakin's decline we realize that when you are basically molding and grooming someone for darkness they completely are corruptible you know, we we see in the Mortis trilogy that Anakin, when he's at his peak, is the perfect balance between the dark side and the light. Mm. But at the same time, his his attachments, his anxieties, his angers, when they surface, like they do in this movie, when they become the forefront of your mind and your actions, then it just becomes a very slippery slope. That's why. I feel like the the scene in the garage is so important, not for Hayden Christensen's acting, but it's a it's a big turning point in Anakin's character when he admits to hating someone. Jedi mm-hmm. aren't supposed to have those kinds of emotions, and yet him admitting that he hates someone for what they did to him and to his mom, plus John Williams's score during that sequence when he finally collapses and sits down in the garage and they play the Darth Vader music over him. (laughs) Oh my gosh. John Williams just reasserts himself as the man in that scene. But, you know, those types of sequences, when you're allowing those things to come to the surface, 
you realize that through Palpatine's manipulation and through, you know, the work that he's been doing literally for years now, that kind of effort, I think, gets rewarded a bit more than a three-minute conversation in a holding cell. <laughs> also, also, Hayden Christensen does not get enough credit for the acting he does in that scene. Mm. And I think he, I think, I, personally, I think he's spot on with portraying what someone would react in that situation, in that kind of do, dealing with the anger and the anguish and the regrets. And it, it's a, it's a total, it's the first scene, first of many, really, because we get a lot of them in Clone Wars, but the first of many where you see the conflict in Anakin between where Vader really is coming into his own. Like, Vader is there. There is a presence there Vader's of the darkness in Anakin. starting to take form. You're right. And that the Vader is, I hate them. They killed my mother. I, you know, I slaughtered them like animals, that kind of stuff. But you get Anakin is back by the end of it saying, you know, I'm better than this. I should think he's, he at one point is like gloating like, I'm glad I did this because I'm angry. But then at the end of it, he's like, I regret this. I know what I'm doing is wrong. That's Anakin, and earlier was Vader. That's it's a fascinating thing that you keep seeing come back up because in Revenge of the Sith he goes and kills all the Jedi and kills all the Separatist Council members, and at the end of it he's standing on Mustafar. He's got tears in his eyes. He knows what he's doing is wrong, but he's he's seduced. He's 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 letting it take over. Well, and yeah. I think it all stems back to his weaknesses, which is loss, separation, grief, that kind of thing. He does not cope well with those things. You you see at the end of the Phantom Menace, um, or not in, not in the end, but when he's when he's leaving Tatooine, he pauses, he turns around, he goes back, and he hugs his mom one more time. And mm-hmm. one of the last things that he says to her is, "I will come back and free you, mom." Like it's a promise that he makes. And I really feel like from watching it again, um. This last decade of all the training and sparring and practicing and meditating and all the missions that he's been on, Anakin has not once forgotten his mom. No. Uh He has not once forgotten that she's back there as a slave still. And that his goal is to become a Jedi so that he can come back and free her one day. Well, you know, and and the ten year period prior to this film, he's thinking about two people. He's in love with Padme. Right. He's thinking about her all the time. Right. And he's worried about his mother and thinking about his mother, having dreams about his mother. Right. Um. And he loses his mother in this film, which starts him down that dark path. And ultimately, in the next film, we pick up where he's now obsessed with losing Padme because she's the only thing she has, he has Dude, left. That obsession starts in this movie. It absolutely does. Yeah. Th- that obsession starts pretty much the moment that his mom dies. Yeah. Like, as soon as he loses her, he realizes he's got one person left in the galaxy to live for, and he can't stand the thought of losing her. Mm. Right. And and you, it... you see that in the way that he carries himself around her, especially when they get to Geonosis. Like, yes. when, they're on ne- when they're on Naboo, He's like verbally sparring with her and and playing mm. with her and stuff. When they get to Geonosis, he's like Mr. Overprotective Boyfriend. Yeah. Like yep. he he is super possessive of her and he like 
is doing everything he can to get back to her at the droid foundry. He wants to be joined at the hip to her so that he knows he can keep her safe. When they're yeah. in the arena and, and Obi-Wan's trying to like talk to him about his Jedi training, what's the first thing he says? What about Padme? Yeah. <laughs> his thoughts yeah. are already fixated on her. And then during the fight, when she gets knocked out of the gunship, it takes yeah. Obi-Wan saying, come to your senses. What would Padme do if she were in your position? Mm-hmm. He didn't have to say things like, remember your training, or you could be expelled <laughs> for this, or stay focused in the moment, the way Qui-Gon told him. All of that traditional Jedi training had to go out the freaking window, and he had to say, think about what this person would do if she were in your shoes. And then he finally catches himself. Yeah. yeah. He is already losing his status as a Jedi before he even gets the title of Knight. Yeah. And he's willing to do whatever it takes. Exactly. Like, and that's that's the whole thing. It just it snowballs from there. And his it does his his whole thing is he, it wasn't just that he she that he lost his mother. It was that he failed to save her. Right. And that he he vows never to let that happen again. Right. And he's doing like the one thing you never do in life. You should do in life. And and it of course it's all this life lessons that in 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 this saga is like. You can't control things. You can't control people. You can't control everything. And life is just going to happen to you. But Anakin is obsessed with fighting. So when he hears, you know, later on, hey, uh, that old man that I know, he has a way to stop your wife from dying. He's going to do whatever it takes, even if it means literally doing the worst thing imaginable. Yes. Um, so, and that, as you said, like, the obsession starts here. The The obsession with you know, hanging on to that one piece of himself, that that one person in his life that he thinks he can't live without, um, it starts right here. Well, I mean, he even says it in the garage during his tangent. He said, like, she says, you're not all powerful. And he says, I should be. And he yeah. says, one day I'm going to be the most powerful Jedi ever. I'm even going to learn how to stop people from dying. And then that becomes the one thing that Palpatine tries to entice him with in the next film. He could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, yeah. the one thing that he wants most out of life becomes the one thing from the one group of people that he vowed he would never be a part of. And yet he chooses that because he chooses Padme. Yep. I mean, exactly. I mean, wow. When you look at it from that perspective, there is so much, like I said at the top of the show, there is so much psychology that you can delve into in this movie, looking at Anakin specifically, mm. pertaining to things like separation anxiety, depression, uh, anger management. You know, there, there's so many different things that you can look at just from Anakin's character. And try and pick apart and look at because now he doesn't want to be away from Padme. He even risks like holding her really tightly in the hangar bay at the end of the movie. Like Obi-Wan's there. Yoda is there. The clone troopers are there. Padme shows up and they like embrace each other almost immediately as soon as she shows up on the scene. Yeah, yeah, they're they're getting a little close back there, and Yoda and Obi Wan are like right there. Of course, <laughs> I mean, like I think 
Obi-Wan probably pretty quickly realizes what's going on. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, we, yeah. we, we pretty much know that Ahsoka knew what was going on. Like, yeah. she pretty much confirms it. Obi-Wan is not, when he says, Anakin's the father, isn't he, and mm. Ren's the Sith, like, he's not saying that with any surprise. Like, he's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I, I knew, you know, I knew what was going on. Like, I'm not blind. Well, I mean, Yoda, I don't know. I mean, I mean, there is there is the conspiracy theory that it was like a fifty fifty toss up between Anakin and him as to who the father was. Oh, oh man, oh maybe that's oh. the reveal in Episode Nine. <laughs> Dang. Force goes to Obi Wan. You are the father. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh that's man. a that's a really far out conspiracy. Maybe that's though. that's the title of Episode Nine, Maury. <laughs> episode Nine. Mori. <laughs> oh my god. Skywalkers go on Mori. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man. Okay, well, what a twist. Let's let's talk about um favorite favorite characters. I mean, obviously Anakin's one of the central characters in uh in this story, but who else stood out to you in Attack of the Clones? Like, was there somebody, like, maybe a, a Jedi or another character that you don't see a lot of that you were just really, really impressed by and you liked the story that was told surrounding them? Well, this this film was the, the Mandalorian moment to shine, for uh-huh. sure. Despite the fact that it's not really Mandalorians, but Mandalorian posers. <laughs> but, um... Well. Yeah, the, all the Django, all the Django Fett stuff in this film is great, and it's it's very unique because while you do see like a little bit of Boba and to be uh, and of Empire beginning of of Return of the Jedi, like you know this is the most amount of kind of third party bounty hunter action that we see um, in in in, um, in in the Star Wars saga films. So. Yeah, I, I, I think that's 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 really cool that, that Django's such a central character to this story and he's involved in some really cool uh scenes. Tamura Morrison's second best acting role ever. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. For me, um uh, I, I wanna s I wanted to say Django, um or Chris stole it and, and it was it was rightfully so. Um I, I want to say, you know, I know he's one of the main characters, but I'm always, when I watch this movie, I'm always way more interested in what Obi-Wan is doing. Yeah. And his whole thing. Yeah. This that's, is a great that's Obi-Wan one of the, film. That's one of the strongest part aspects of this movie is yeah. the fact that you, you're, you're invested in, like, what he's doing. He's off. He's visiting Dexter. Um, Dexter, he's a great character. He's probably one of my favorite characters. I just led to him. But, yeah, Dexter, great yeah. character. Um, you get some actual like exposition on Obi Wan, getting some backstory with him, you know, and he has a lot of great action. Um, yeah, and it's just overall and a lot of a lot of great a lot of great Obi Wan sass too. Uh, uh, good job, uh, you came to rescue me. <laughs> I love it. I, I do love that scene. <laughs> it's like we decided to come and rescue you. Looks up at the chains. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost like he's a detective in this movie to a certain extent. Oh, very he much really so. He, he's, he's Batman. He's, he's going into these investigations. He's going to the library. He's he's following up with people and informants that he may know, like Dex. He's checking in himself, going out to Camino. Uh, you know. But then at the same time, he's he's a man of procedure and protocol, and checks in with the council to to get advice. 
The one thing I wasn't sure about, uh, Yoda instructed Obi-Wan to bring in Jango Fett for questioning. Hmm. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this, don't you, Ben? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this is, this, I'm pretty sure this is a question that we've asked before on this show, and we've never gotten an answer to this damn question. <laughs> How the heck was he going to do that in a one-man starfighter? <laughs> he's gonna strap. He's gonna get some bungee cords and strap him to the hood. I, I think. I tie think, him to the hyperdrive. I think he was supposed to uh, hijack the Slave One. He's supposed to commandeer Django's ship and fly it back. That's the that's the most realistic option, I think. I mean, I don't see really any other way except for maybe borrowing a ship from the Kaminoans, but I don't think they had really established a rapport good enough to be able to do something like that. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I think Yoda assumes that uh, Obi Wan is resourceful enough to figure that out. <laughs> you gotta wonder how the Kaminoans would have reacted if, like Obi Wan says, like, "Yeah, I just arrested this, your the the, the, your clone the uh, template. template for your clones." Right. Like, so like you gotta wonder how that would have gone down. Well, here's um, the other just thing. the whole just the whole idea that the, that the clone template is working for the bad guys. That should have tipped him off a little bit. <laughs> it really should. It really should. That's another thing that, that kind of bugs me is the the storytelling. It, it, it baffles me. Do they just assume that a bounty hunter will take literally any job? And as soon as his job as the clone template is done, he is impartial enough to go and serve the separatists? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I a think Jedi that's a reasonable gets, A Jedi thing. gets gunned down by Jango Fett on Geonosis. And that same Jedi Order trusts these clones that they are a template of from him they are they're repli- they're replicas of of this template that was shooting at them on geonosis yeah yeah it's and it doesn't take it takes like many episodes of clone wars to them to like, like, get to the point it takes like 6 seasons of the clone wars before they finally put the pieces of the puzzle together it takes them over 3 years before and then they're they like, okay, we're this. just gonna let we're just gonna let this play out. We like, we realize <laughs> the, we're the, too deep into it. Yeah, like you get, you that. Get way actually, in over your heads. Actually, I kind of love that they just like embrace the fact that the Jedi weren't that stupid. They realized what was going on, but they're like, okay, what are we gonna do about it? Like, we're we're too deep into this. We had to just let this play out, and uh, hopefully, uh, someone doesn't someone doesn't turn our greatest Jedi against us and kill us all. <sighs> I mean, if you if you read the the Legends novel, um, Cloak of Deception, mm-hmm. you realize just how close they get to actually tracking down Darth Sidious. Yeah. By the time, yeah, and then there's, by the time Revenge of the Sith rolls around, they are very aware that he exists and that he lives on Coruscant and they are trying to track him down and they get dangerously close before the kidnapping of the chancellor happens. Yeah. There's also there's also an arc of the clone wars they've talked about that may or may not get made where like Ahsoka is on one side of a door That's and right. Sidious is on the other side of the door and like that was going to happen and it might still happen. Well, I mean there's really not been much revealed about what episodes of this season of the Clone Wars are going to get revived. No. We, we do really, we have like that little bit of footage, and that's it. They yeah. haven't talked. Well, in a couple weeks, we're going to get something. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, there's bound to be but, more information I mean, during. Oh, unless, I don't know unless, the Clone Wars panel. 
<laughs> Unless Filoni's just up on stage, like I can't, I can't say anything. There's nothing. I got nothing for you. Just wait until it comes out. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna make my second Friends reference of the night. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's an episode where Charlie Sheen pretends to be a, a Navy submarine officer, and right before they leave, is like, "So Ryan, where are you shipping off to?" And he goes, "I can't say." And they're like, "Are you gonna be on the submarine?" I can't say. <laughs> Does your ship have any nuclear warheads? I, I can't say. <laughs> and they're like, wow, it's really cool learning about submarines. <laughs> can't wow. you just picture Filoni being like that? And it's like, are we going to have yeah. the bad batch? I can't say. How many How many episodes is Ahsoka going to be in? I really can't say. <laughs> like, every time. Wow, this is really great information about the Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> just, just get, just get a, get a, get a five-year-old up on stage. Yes, and, that's and how you break. do it. He'll that's break. how you do it. That's his ultimate weakness. Five-year-olds yeah. are his weakness, eh? Yeah, no. five-year-olds answering questions to him. He can't, he can't pass it up. Interesting. Well, then we just feed the questions to a bunch of little kids. Yeah. Or I guess you guys will, um, Mr. Filoni. Yes. How does Episode Nine end? Darn it! <laughs> 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 oh. Oh, because you know that he knows the answer to that, too. Yeah. 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 Okay, uh, going back to favorite character, I'm going to be a little bit of a deviant. I do love both of those answers. I, I love mm. Jango Fett, and I, I love seeing a young Boba, and Obi-Wan's abilities, and you really get to see him like in full form. Like If you don't get the Clone Wars, you still get peak Obi-Wan in this episode. Heck he's yeah. He's a warrior. He's an investigator. He's a negotiator. He's he stays true to his principles and his beliefs. He's a teacher and a mentor. Like everything that you want from a Jedi, you get from Obi Wan in this movie, for sure. However, um, for me, I really enjoyed having Mace Windu on the scene. Yes, Samuel mm. L. Freaking Jackson. Yes. He steals the scene, any one of them that he's in. Everything from the beginning of the movie <laughs> when he's sitting in the Chancellor's office and he makes the line of, we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Mm. All the way up to the very end where he's like, we will not be hostages to be bartered, Dooku. Mm. Everything about what he says and he does just commands attention on the screen. Yes. And, 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 and Samuel L. Jackson is one of those people where if you were to try and come up with like, all the different characters that they've played in their acting career, just take a look at who Samuel L. Jackson's been. He's been a badass Jedi. He's been the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. You know, it, there's there's countless different characters that he's been able to play. And I, I don't necessarily consider Windu, like, his best role, but I do feel like Windu's one of the best characters in this movie. A, a Windu versus Dooku fight scene would have been unbelievable. Ooh. He, yeah, that is something that I still I haven't forgiven Clone Wars for not doing that. Mm. Like, can you imagine? Like, they had so many opportunities to have Dooku and and dude, a lot of a lot of Dooku matchups we never got in Clone Wars. Like, it was always Anakin Dooku. We got Dooku, Anakin Dooku, Dooku all course. over again. We got Anakin Dooku four point oh, five point oh, six point oh. Yeah. 
Like, at least at some my, point. My power's doubled since the last time we met Count, and that was like a week ago. Yes. <laughs> 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 That's one of the greater oversights in the writing of Star Wars. <laughs> but they were really, but they were really, they were, they were nailing it on like, the fact that Grievous and Anakin never met prior to Revenge of the Sith, they yep. were like, no, no, we can't do that. Yep. <laughs> but they scraped the line so much, like that one time when like, they both pass each other and they're unconscious. <laughs> they, they, they pass by each other unconscious and they're shooting at each other from different starfighters and they just miss each other on the malevolence and things like that. But no, I think I think if if the Clone Wars keeps going, which it will, I think we're going to get to a point where they're like, they're going to fight. And then they're both going to get hit in the head, and they're going to lose their memory, and oh, it'll be back geez. to them. Uh, <laughs> one of them was a shapeshifter. <laughs> but like that line does not make any sense. It's funny, I love it, but it doesn't make any sense. Like I, I expected, you know, you're shorter than I expected, or you know, I expected someone your reputation to be a little bit older. Like he's never seen a picture of Anakin. Like he's the most famous hero of the Republic. Like he's never like seen a hologram of him. Come on, right? Like he he's not on the holofeed or anything like that. Like no uh, <laughs> no no interviews, no celebrity interviews. You know, I, he I, hasn't I, been stuck in his profile. There's no I, social media in Star Wars. I, 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 but at the same time, I tend to think that Anakin Skywalker is basically the LeBron James of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Like, anytime yeah. you have an opportunity to make an Anakin Skywalker reference on the news feed, you kind of take advantage of that because it's instant hits. I don't know. Yeah. Like, the, the social media person in me, the, the journalist in me <laughs> thinks, come on. Come on, really? Yeah, but if that's like the well, biggest, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll we'll get to Revenge of the Sith at some point. We will, we will. A few weeks from now, we'll be we'll be into Revenge of the Sith. Um, but for now, we're gonna take just a quick commercial break, uh, just to catch our thoughts, catch our breath, and uh, say hello to a couple of our special friends during this break, and uh, then we'll come back talking about some of our favorite moments our final thoughts, and giving our planet scores out of 10. So we'll see you on the flip side when we wrap up our discussion of Attack of the Clones. Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. 
hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? Welcome back as we finish up our discussion of Attack of the Clones. Obviously, there is a lot to cover in this movie. We're not going to be doing like a chronological discussion because if we tried to do that, we'd probably be here for quite a while. This movie is two hours and 22 minutes in length, you guys. And uh, I I only realized that because I was cutting it really, really close with finishing up watching the movie and then jumping on here to discuss the movie (laughs) i was like really cutting it close sitting here going oh man we're like yoda's fighting dooku there's probably like seven or eight minutes left in the movie but ben said he's jumping on in 10 minutes and i've still (laughs) got to do this that and the other thing oh i started like i think the only way we can possibly cover everything on a show is if we do a commentary yeah which we probably should we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to. We've done Avengers commentary. Now we're gonna have to do a Star Wars. Commentary. Now we're gonna have to do a Star Wars commentary. Ooh. I, I, I think I have one in mind, but uh, the logistics of it will prove interesting. If what if? Else. What if I smuggle my microphone into the in the Chinese theater in December and we do a commentary for our first showing of episode? Oh. Nine? Stop reading my freaking mind, dude. We'll be very popular people. I was about to say, what if we tried to find a way to do a commentary on episode nine? <laughs> are, there, are there showings that are like you know just for deaf people? Um, I was thinking like private showings because we had oh some, even better we had we had some friends that uh, that hooked us up with like a special showing because they rented out the theater. Mm. Do you remember that? I think um, mm-hmm. I think there's ways that you can you can rent out uh, certain movie theaters. You can't up by me, anyways. It's about five hundred dollars, but you can do it. And it's... or just go to a certain theater at a certain time of night, like I've done, and you get the whole theater to yourself, That's and you true. only have to pay one for one ticket. That's true. I did that with with Force Awakens. I think I saw completely alone in wow. one theater. Wow. Um, Rogue One. I think I saw it with like two other people. And then uh, even like I I tend to go late, so like even Aquaman, like there wasn't a lot of people there when I saw that movie. So like I could have done a commentary, wouldn't have bothered anybody. I tend to go on Tuesdays during the day because that's when I'm most free, and there's usually no more than two or three people in the in the place that I go to because it's five dollar Tuesdays at certain places, mm. and so 
It's not too expensive and it's not too busy. It's it's a nice it's a nice little arrangement. Yeah. We've all got yeah. our own little tricks, but here's here's one thing I wanted to ask you guys. Did either of you see it in the theaters, Attack of the Clones? Yes, I did. Um It was the it was the first Star Wars film I saw in theaters. But please continue, Chris. Yeah. Well, I mean it was the second Star Wars film that I saw in theaters. Uh I saw Phantom Menace as well. Um but yeah, no, and I, I think I mean I was pretty hyped for the lead up of both of those films, but I think I got a little bit more fully the the the, the hype for Attack of the Clones because I was three years older than Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, so like you know I was looking forward to that movie like the entire time between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and paying attention to any information that had come out about it um, over that time period. Whereas uh, I think Phantom Menace snuck up on me a little bit. I didn't really know what was going on until like the merchandise started hitting. I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't have any, interestingly, I don't have any specific memories from the theater of either Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. I remember going and watching them, but I, I don't remember anything other than just knowing that I watched them. Uh, it wasn't until Revenge of the Sith that I remember actually like specific details other than the movie of like who I went with and like thoughts in my head while I was watching it and things like that, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really don't have a whole lot of memories of it either. I remember, I just remember there was the first star Wars film I ever saw in theaters because I missed episode one in theaters. Um, and I remember, I always remember like the conversation after leaving the theater with my parents like, I remember specifically the conversation we had, like, after Revenge of the Sith. It's pretty crazy. I don't remember anything about watching the movie. I just remember that. Yeah. I think well, I, I mean, just the, remember... The conversations the... after are the most fun in ways, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember... Yeah, I don't remember that with, with Attack of the Clones. It's weird. Like, like basically, like, rolling things back to, like, 2002 here. So I was, like... I guess I would have been nine, ten. I was ten years old when this when this movie came out. Um, I, I, I really the memory that I have the strongest uh, is. I mean, it's really just based on the on the merchandise. Like I just specifically remember seeing like bags of chips that had like little puzzle pieces in them um, to form like character portraits from the film. And then I just remember seeing that that blue wall of action figures in like Walmart. Um, that so I re- I do have kind of specific memories around that. Um, but I think I think it was really it it wasn't till kind of a little bit after that that I started I start like really remembering everything that happened in my life that was related to Star Wars. Like it was just around that time that it that that start those memories really solidified strongly. Yeah, yeah. I think at that age, I really hadn't quite gotten that much into Star Wars yet, and my parents didn't feel like it would be a good investment to take me to go see a movie that I wasn't super interested in at the time. Yeah, and so I actually did not see it in theaters. The first Star Wars movie I saw in theaters was Revenge of the Sith. So. I'll have to discuss my thoughts on that uh, when we discuss that next movie, but I was just curious what memories you guys had, if any, about you know seeing the movie in theaters, because to me, there's something tangible about being able to say, I saw it in theaters, 
that that gives you like this deeper sense of connection to the movie because you were there yeah. when it came out. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I definitely feel that with Rogue One. Uh, you guys, you guys both know that seeing yeah. Rogue One at the Chinese theater or seeing pretty much any movie at the Chinese theater on opening mm. night is something that stays with you for a really, really long time. Yeah. Heck I mean, yeah. three and a half years later, it's still something that I talk to people about. I've still got <laughs> the photos on my phone and I'll drag back through it when I'm talking about it with other people and, and bring yeah. it up for them. So there's definitely like still some memories attached to them, even if the memories are loose from our childhood that just become part of the conversation, if you will, which is, mm. which is really fun. Um, Another memory that I just, I'll add while we're on it though. Sure. And I mentioned this a little bit off the top is uh, I remember attack of the clones was the first DVD that I ever owned. So uh. that, that's a little bit of a strong memory because that's, that's a huge shift you know, in technology, they're going from these VHS tapes that you could only watch so many times before they really crapped out, and there was white bands everywhere. And then, obviously, you had to you had to rewind them. There was no scene select, like all this stuff. And then, you know, I remember getting that you know that that shiny disc that looked like the ones you play would put you know use for computer programs that had a movie on it. And, uh, and honestly, I don't even know if we had a player at that point or not. I might have actually had to wait until we got a player to play it like a few months later. I can't, I can't quite remember. I, I honestly, I think I did. I think I got, I think I got the DVD like in, it was like in anticipation of the fact that the prices of DVD players were about to drop to the point where the average person can buy one. Right. Um, and, and it, and it, you know, so it was Christmas you know, it, it had just come out, you know, a few months prior. And I think my, my parents got me that got me that disc. And I think it just sat there um, and I just stared at it for like a few months. And then we got the player and then, yeah, I put it in. And uh, shockingly, somehow that disc still works. I don't know how because I, I play, I've watched that so many times. Um, I my, my sister had had this thing when she was a child where she liked watching movies on repeat and day after day after day after day, I, I've never been like that. I, I there's certain movies that I've seen many many times, but it was at least you know a few weeks or a few months between viewings. But there was I remember there were a few times where the movie of the week was was Attack of the Clones, and I I, I know this because I, 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 I there was a certain period where if I look back at our home movies that we took. Uh, there was always that certain movie in the background of the home movies playing on the TV. Um, so I think that, 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 that's definitely another very strong memory that I have from my childhood of the film of just, you know, getting the DVD, it being the first DVD that I ever owned and played and then just having it on the TV running constantly <laughs> at certain points through my childhood. See, my, yeah. my brother was like that for a time. Uh, probably still is it's just that i've moved out so i'm not privy to it anymore yeah (laughs) um where he would he would watch certain movies on loop but they were movies that i had very little to no interest in watching whatsoever Mm. at least with attack of the clones i would have been able to tolerate it um but his stuff that he watched have have either of you guys ever seen uh the Disney movie Home on the Range. I feel uh, like I have. It's yes, yes, I have seen that. Yes, 
That was it's, was wasn't that was that the Roseanne. last last animated was that the last animated film? Like cell animated film? Um might be. It might be. I'll look that up as you continue your story. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to it other than that was the thing that he had on loop for a very very long time and the primary antagonist of that movie was a man who rustled cattle by yodeling (laughs) i do remember seeing that once (laughs) that was that was your antagonist and it drove me nuts hearing this guy yodel constantly so, I mean, at least with something like Attack of the Clones or even The Lion King, which he did watch for a time, uh, at least those I would be able to uh, to tolerate. But, jeez. Uh, Home on the Range, I've still got bad memories from that. <laughs> so, let's talk about some good memories, some good moments from Attack of the Clones. What were some ones that stood out to you guys that... Uh, you just really enjoyed that sequence. You really enjoyed uh, that action or that execution or that visuals. What were what were some of your favorite moments? Oh man, um, th- th- <laughs> all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's even harder than the, than the thing we started the first the, off the show with. Um, there there are some amazing sequences um, in this film. I mean, I I, I think that the the, the the chase sequence through crossing at the beginning of the film with Zam is is one of the best um, action scenes uh, in Star Wars. Um, it's such a great balance of action and dialogue. There's some great comedy in there. It's it's really the first that we get to see of Anakin and Obi Wan's working relationship with each other uh, when they're under stress. So uh, that that that's a good introduction to to their characters as as adults. Um, so that, that's really, really fantastic. Um, and then, uh, I think another one, uh, is just, just the whole battle of Geonosis and all the elements of it from the arena to outside the arena, um, to the, the lightsaber battles at the end is, is a very strong action sequence. And that's one of the most, uh, it's one of the largest battles, if not the largest battle that we see in Star Wars as far as how just how many troops are involved in it too, which yeah, is really yeah. cool. Um and just, you know, seeing, you know, so many Jedi fighting all at the same time is definitely a, a sight to behold. Um and it, there's just so many little character moments with all the individual Jedi, like, you know, Kit Fisto smiling as an example, just these little moments that are that are so cool. Um, and just obviously at the end, the, uh, the Yoda versus Dooku is an amazing technical feat to, to see a, a fully CGI character fight against a, um, a live action actor like that and have it come, have it be so believable and so impactful is, is, uh, a really awesome accomplishment. And I, I still feel like that scene holds up to this day when it's, Oh my gosh! You know, coming up on its twentieth anniversary pretty soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In what three years? Three years. We're we're hitting they're hitting twentieth of uh, Phantom Menace in a couple months here. Goodness Ooh. gracious! Well, maybe they'll do a re-release, and I'll have a chance to go see it in theaters finally. 
They gotta get they gotta get that three D footage out there. Whenever yeah, I agree. That. They have it. It's in three D. They just need to release it. I've seen parts of it in three D. I don't think I've seen the whole thing, but I've seen parts of it because at various celebration things, I think they previewed it. Saw we saw Revenge I, of the Sith in three D. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. We? we saw Revenge of the Sith, and I think we saw I saw a preview of Attack of the Clones. I think I think it was just like one scene. I think it was that chase scene. I think. But I, I forgot I'm, that all three prequels are in 3D now. Yeah, yeah, they are, but only one has been released. Yeah, which is nuts. Um, hopefully, because, I mean, they had that big thing where they were going to re-release all the movies, yeah. and then they decided, hey, we'll just make new movies. Um, so they did that, and I'm glad for it, but get that out on Blu-ray or something. You know, something. I mean, I can't, I can't see I mean, I can't see the reason for not releasing especially now that it seems that they're they're kind of slowing down their movie production a little bit and maybe we might have an off year here and there potentially in the future like i don't see why you shouldn't do that because i mean you've already put all the money into doing it it's like the i mean it's just pure profit at this point and we all want to see it so it doesn't really even matter how many people show up like it's just money they need to they need to put all the you know we're we're, what we're eight years away from the 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 50th anniversary they need to put all the movies back in theaters for that oh yeah that would be amazing if they put all the the movies back in theaters either either you know the really good quality you know blu-ray touch-ups of the of the originals and then the 3d versions of of the prequels and then a chance to relive all of our more recent memories of watching the newer films in the theaters like that that would be really awesome and then we can all sit in the theater for 36 hours and watch all the movies in order ah oh, dang that that would be one heck <laughs> and of a then party. we die <laughs> that would be I, a I, heck of a marathon i, I saw something yeah. online that said the uh, the marathon to get caught up on the mcu is over 40 hours or something yeah, like that it is wow yep like I know for a fact that since I'm trying to get caught up on Game of Thrones, that I'm not going to get caught up on <laughs> the MCU in time. That's just a fact no. I'm going to have to live with. But I'm definitely going back and watching uh, Infinity War before I go see Endgame. That's 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 for sure. Yeah, I, I might, I, I do, I might just too. do an Avengers marathon where I watch Avengers, Age of Ultron, and Infinity War. But I don't think that's, I can do the yeah. whole MCU. Yeah. That- that's that's a good. But like the MCU one. has like grown. Like I mean, they're releasing three movies a year now. Yeah. Um. So that's that's a big thing. But like Star Wars, like you had for what thirty years, you had six movies. Yeah. And now in the last, uh, what five years or six years now, we've had six movies <laughs> or five movies. Um. So yeah, they're, they're they're things are coming a lot faster these days and hard to keep up. Yeah, I think, uh, let's see, the last marathon that I did, I think I went episode one through seven. I can't recall. I don't know if I've done one since Rogue One has come out or or not. I might have, but I think the absolute most that I've done is eight. I've done seven or eight. Since then, it's become unmanageable. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I've got them all. I don't really have much excuse other than, I don't know, time. Yeah, well, I, w- I would do it with, see, I would do it with other people, and then it's a matter of how many people can you get together who can carve that much time out of their schedule. <laughs> yeah, I can barely coordinate, like, two hours with people, let alone yeah. 20. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It, it was, there weren't a lot of people that were able to watch even one through seven all together with me. I think I might have had one or two other people that made it all the way through. Most people showed up 
<laughs> either halfway in and finished it or or had to leave before we we finished it like towards midnight <laughs> it was but it was it was fun yeah was i times. think i th- as much as i love star wars i think my uh, my next binge is going to be the extended edition lord of the rings trilogy that is so fun i i did that um i did that uh, maybe 10 years ago and that was we actually uh we did it. One of my friends had a uh, like a multimedia theater in his apartment complex that you could reserve, and it was like what, uh, your typical like it was smaller than a movie theater, but bigger than like the biggest home theater you could imagine. So it was a very good size, and and yeah, we just all crammed in there, ordered pizza, and and sat there for like eleven hours and watched those films, and that was a really Jeez. good time. Yeah. That was Jeez, awesome. <laughs> that is, that is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. man. Okay, back to back to favorite moments. Ben, <laughs> did you have some favorite sequences from this movie that you wanted to touch on? Oh man, there, well, there's so many, and I, I will say, all of the action set pieces are mm. brilliant. They are brilliant. They're, you can nitpick, like the the writing or yeah. the acting here and there, whatever. Yeah. But like the action is so on point. Um, George Lucas is amazing at being that, and just how everything is paced, and you know, you can. And it's really hard to like, especially these days, to see an action sequence that's impressive because you've seen everything, and a lot of times it's just the same old stuff. Um, but I mean, from the Django versus Obi Wan battle to the Geonosis Arena, um, which is, I mean, like Rogue One, like that back third of that movie is mm. just wall to wall amazingness. Uh, specific. If I had this, with one specific moment that may be an honorable mention for me for my top four Star mm. Wars moments, um, that little moment of just silence when Dooku's like, "Well, I'm sorry, old friend," and all the mm. all the weapons just click on, and they're like, "Oh crap, we're about to die!" And then look, the the gunships are coming down, yeah. and the Clone Wars have begun. It's it just it goosebumps. Yeah. It's amazing. So that that scene, <laughs> interestingly enough. Uh, keeping with my uh, my quick Game of Thrones reference, that scene has inspired other scenes in film. I've heard about oh, this. Yeah. Because there is a sequence where this gladiator-style fighting arena was opened up in Game of Thrones, and one of the main characters' lives is at risk, and there's a whole group of rebels slash assassins that want to kill her and it seems like they're about to succeed they've got her like cornered in the middle of the arena closing in on her and then out of nowhere comes a dragon to rescue everybody (laughs) and it. it it absolutely mimics the arrival of the gunships in attack of the clones and it's beautiful yeah so I do I do really like that sequence just because now that I've seen the other one I know that Star Wars has inspired other people other creatives to do something similar and it's it's like a separate story but it's also still a subtle homage if you know where to look for it. Oh and yeah. It's it's wonderful. So yeah. I do I do like that scene as well uh mostly because it's the introduction to the super battle droids. Yes. Oh yeah, and that is something that I feel like gets you know glossed over a little bit in the Clone Wars, 
you look at the way they behave and the way they carry themselves in um, Attack of the Clones, they're really intimidating because you can have a blaster bolt go off of their armor, but if it doesn't disable their gun, they're still shooting. Yeah. And those blasters actually mimic the sounds that come off of um, an AT-AT. Interesting. I didn't know that. I, there, there's one sequence where I hear their their wrist blasters go off, and it sounds just like an AT-AT from Empire Strikes Back. Interesting. And I don't mean to claim that their weapons are as powerful, but the sound design just makes you think about it as well. And it's 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 fascinating to watch because there was one time a B-1 was kind of on its way down it was kind of gimpy and limping or what yeah. have you and one of the b2s comes in and just kind of knocks it over to make room for itself and then continues shooting <laughs> at its targets yeah i love yeah, that yeah so yeah. like the the super battle droids are really like i guess the badasses of this movie if you will because mm. they not only killed a whole mess of Jedi and clones but they also are not afraid to knock over their fellow droids if it means them staying upright and continuing the fight yeah. like they are yeah. they are indeed superior to B1s and the fact that they get mass produced over the course of the Clone Wars just shows what kind of funding they've got because if you look really really closely at the, the overall view of the arena you don't see a whole whole lot of B2s they're, they're kind of speckled in there here and there throughout the b1s but come the time of the clone wars you see a lot more of them and so they may have been just on a trial run in this movie but i also can't help but think something that big and that strong and that much firepower also must be more expensive Mm, yep. And mm-hmm. so to to have that many of them in the Clone Wars means that somebody is funding that many B2s on the battlefield as well. Just a thought. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I can pick a favorite scene, like just one scene. I'm glad that you guys have mentioned a couple because um, I do, I do really like the uh, the scene where they're doing the whole retransmit this message to Coruscant mm. because it shows Obi-Wan uh, in peril, which is not something you see very often. It shows some of the technology in Star Wars being able to receive a transmission from one person and use your transmitter to send it to somebody else. Um, it also shows that uh, Anakin and Padme are behaving more like a couple than a a bodyguard and a senator at this point because at the end of that conversation she says you know he gave you strict orders to protect me and i'm going to help obi-wan if you plan to protect me you'll just have to come along so you know anakin's hand does get forced every now and again because he's dating a smart ass (laughs) <laughs> and so there, there is some, some interesting play that goes on there as well but one scene that I'm surprised neither of you guys mentioned um, is the the scene in the asteroid belt between Obi-Wan and Jango oh yes. yes there's just yes, too many yes, good yes, things yeah. to mention all of them the seismic charges <laughs> yes. 
the visuals of flying through that area and the sound design of the charges going off and the way that he's able to evade the missiles. Like, there's a lot to that sequence that is really, really fun, along with Obi-Wan's sarcasm of, like, flying is for droids. <laughs> this is why I hate flying. This is why I hate flying. Do- doesn't he say flying is for droids, or is that another... He says flying is for droids in Revenge of the Sith. Does he? Okay, uh... see, this is... This is this is why we do the quotathons because I get my quotes mixed up apparently. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get to that in just a second, but first we need to move into final thoughts and planet scores for this movie. Uh, it, Chris, have you been with us since we've introduced planet? No, scores? I'm like, what what is this? <laughs> so it's it's a fairly new thing that we've done for the last couple of months. We're creating a database, if you will, that's kind of like the IPC version of Rotten Tomatoes. where we do aggregate scoring out of 10 and try and get numbers from people in the chat and on social media and stuff like that as well. And then we come up with overall percentages of how we and our listeners think of a particular movie. You're allowed Mm. to use the decimal points, so it could be like 8.6, 9.4, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But, you know, sometimes people just go with an even number. So totally Mm. your call. But, uh, Ben, why don't you lead us off with final thoughts and planet scores so Chris has an idea of how it works. All right. So my final thoughts are, as I said, yeah, I I, I realize the issues with this film. I, I totally – we didn't really talk about them a whole lot this movie, this, this, this discussion, and I'm glad we didn't because I think there's a heck of a lot to be excited about with this movie. There's a heck of a lot to appreciate from the action to, yes, some of the acting is – really great some of the writing is really really great i think i think there's some really strong points in addition to the weak points um that should be celebrated and this movie is a lot of fun and especially that back half is just non-stop wall-to-wall fun action and a lot, a lot of comedy yes i'm one of the people that appreciates 3po's dad jokes all right i'm i'm gonna say that right now oh, now where are you taking me oh this is such a drag <laughs> <laughs> gotta love it. Gotta love it. I know a lot of people hate it, but I love it. Um, but just overall, I, I think it's a fun movie. It, it's I, I don't know where it ranks because I don't rank Star Wars movies anymore. I just I'm just not doing that. Um, <laughs> but it's up there, and I always enjoy it every time I watch this movie. And I'm struggling to find a good rating for it because I don't know. I don't know. It's it's. I think. I think I'm gonna go like an eight out of ten. For me. So even an even 8.0 then. Uh, you know, you're, you're right. We didn't really discuss a whole lot of the negatives because I think it's just more enjoyable to talk about the positives, the, the, the things, the the things the that we did. The negatives have been discussed to death. Like, Well, yeah. they've been discussed on social media. They've been discussed on other shows. There's plenty of opportunities to say, oh, I didn't care for this, or oh, I didn't like that, or oh, this acting was cheesy, this scene was terrible. But... You know, then there's also scenes like Shmi's funeral where you see Anakin promise that he's not going to fail anyone again. And Owen and Baru are both there observing this. Twenty years later, Luke is reckless and impulsive, and Baru says, Luke's just not a farmer, Owen. He's got too much of his father in him. And Owen says, that's what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. That scene justifies Owen's claim in A New Hope. Mm. You know, yes. he's yeah. absolutely aware of what's going on and can totally see the, 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 the similarities there. 
And that is just some of the brilliant storytelling that exists in this movie. There, There is some cheesy stuff, like the talking about sand being coarse and rough and <laughs> getting everywhere. But that's what the internet is for, you know? To take something like that and turn it into a meme so that it still gets remembered. Even if it is a, a conversation in jest, at least people are still talking about this movie 17 years later. Exactly. So for that, I have a hard time putting any knocks on it. I went back and I looked at what my rating was for um, The Phantom Menace, just for comparison. And then I'm also thinking about what my rating for Revenge of the Sith is going to be, you know, looking at this as a trilogy. I'm probably not going to be looking at it as a saga, but maybe by the maybe by trilogy I'll be looking at these ratings. But, you know, I, I did enjoy the second half of the film. I realized that I was going to be crunched for time, and so I really only watched, like, the second half of the movie. And there's nothing wrong with the first half of it, not by any means. Not, not, the, not the fight scene on Coruscant with Zam and the Death Sticks. You know, you get to see some of the, the depths of the planet. Um, but I think after you've gotten through some of those slower sequences, it really does pick up and, and turn into a pretty fantastic finish. And so, Absolutely. you know, my score based on what I saw today and based on what I remember from the from the, from the first part of the movie, the last time I watched it, which was probably several months ago, if I'm being completely candid, um, I don't I, – I think I have more praise for this movie now than I do complaints, which wow. is probably the first time in a long time I've been able to say that. Wow. So uh, for me, it's it's probably going to be an 8.5. Nice. 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 Um, yeah, this is difficult. This is really difficult for me to, like, give a number to this movie because it's, like, of all the movies I've ever seen, I have the most possible scales to grade this on. Like, you know, I can compare it to the other Star Wars films. I can compare it to just other films in general. I can can look at you know just personally uh how, how what the movie means to me and it's like it's all different it all, i get different results when i do it different ways and so it's it's really difficult to look at this movie objectively because i just you know have seen it so many times and it's such an integral part of of just my life and so i yeah it's 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 very difficult i think i think it's really unfortunate that there was an element of this movie that didn't really work and and i and i unfortunately it was a very crucial element and that's the the love story i think that's the weakness of this film is that you have an amazing score by john williams which we haven't talked too much about but the across the stars is one of the best pieces in 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 john yeah, williams absolutely. pantheon of of work and and the, when i listen to that piece and I just think of the concepts of Anakin the concept of Padme the concept of a a forbidden love of a of a of a Shakespearean tragedy you know I get so much emotion out of John Williams interpretation of that through the medium of the orchestra like and I I feel like that's what ideally that's what that should be that's the best that's the best uh, portrayal of of that story is is that emotion and unfortunately I think the the lack of oversight in the script and maybe the lack of 
direction on the set with with um, Natalie and Hayden. It just it did not come to fruition um, on the screen like it did in, in the soundtrack. And there in some of the most clunky moments of the film and the, the 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 moments that people point to when they're saying why they don't think this is this is this might be one of the worst star wars films um you know those are all moments that are that are related to that that love story and the way that it's executed so it's unfortunate because as we've found out tonight through this discussion pretty much the rest of the film is awesome like there's yeah. there's just the, the as we said the action sequences are great there's just really strong acting by so many other actors throughout the film I mean, Ewan is spot on the whole time you know Christopher Lee a legend the you know, like we said the bits of Sam Jackson that we saw some of his best work like absolutely absolutely an amazing film and it's just so unfortunate that it just didn't quite all come together with the Anakin and Padme stuff to to match the emotion on on the screen that 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 I feel when I listen to Across the Stars and so as a result of that I mean while it's such a great movie that means so much to me I can't give it you know a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 because objectively there are Star Wars movies that are better that are better executed that are more complete movies where all the pieces are working better and obviously there's films that we consider to be near perfect if not perfect so you can't rank it with anywhere near those films but i i think i'm gonna follow the the lead of you guys like i think that that the eight range is a good spot to put it because 80 percent of this film is great so i'll i will say 8.0 that's that's what i'll give it i think that's very fair and i and i i think you're right that they're there's a lot to look at in this movie, a lot to take in, and we just prefer to look at the 80% rather than the 20%. Yeah. Um, going back to John Williams for just a just a second here, I know we're running short on time, but that is something that I wanted to touch on that I forgot to. Uh, the sequence where Anakin loses his mom in the Tusken Raider camp, and you, you get a, a very fast pace uh mm. um string score yeah and and his his eyes almost start to turn color if you will from the from the firelight you know those kinds of moments are not necessarily defined by the acting or the overacting they're defined by the film score yeah and there's a lot of defining moments that Williams provides in this film score that end of that end of the movie um, with the, the the clone troopers and Coruscant. Oh yeah, that 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 moment, another amazing score by John Williams. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He 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 does a really great job. Like you said, Across the Stars itself is very emotional, and some of the stuff that they do to interweave the Darth Vader theme and the nuances mm. of that, like you like it, like I mentioned in the garage where it's playing right after he says, "I hate them." You know, mm. there's there's moments in there where he's very deliberate with his music and the the emotions that he's trying to evoke. And that's to me, is another really great example of, like, using music to complete the storytelling. Mm. George Lucas can come up with the greatest script in the world, but if there's not great music to accompany it, then it just feels like a middle-of-the-road script. So yeah. I, I feel like John right. Williams picks up the slack where some of the actors may have yeah. 
allowed things to drop off a little bit at times yeah. and really does help carry this movie in several instances. I agree. I mean, and that's that's the thing with all these movies. Like, episode nine is coming. It it could be terrible. It could. I mean, it's possible. I don't think it will be, but it could be. Um, but the, the score is going to be excellent. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt of that. There's, John Williams is going to nail it like he does every time. Yeah. John Williams is the man, you guys. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And if you are listening on channel1138.com, be sure to send us your ratings for this movie out of 10 in the chat. I know that there's a few of you listening. And if you're listening on iTunes or Google Play or whatever you choose to listen to us on, then go find us on social media at IPC Podcast and send us your planet score to let us know what you think. Uh, our friend Toasted Zen gave us a few thoughts on the movie. I asked for final thoughts from people in the chat. Uh, he said, It's my most rewatchable prequel movie and one of the most rewatchable saga films for me, uh, including uh, Empire Strikes Back and The Force Awakens. He says, Throw in a Rogue One, and those are the films from Star Wars that I watch the most. Uh, he also just sent us a rating that says uh, he gives it an 8 out of 10 as well. That seems to be a pretty popular theme. I know our friend George Rivera is also listening in the chat, a longtime loyal listener of the show. So, George, if you've got time, be sure to uh, send us your planet score as well. Um, nice. A big thank you to a lot of our loyal listeners who also financially contribute to the program, the likes of Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Parker Ott. You guys are the ones that help keep us afloat, and we cannot thank you enough. We uh, we survived as long as we have because of the help that you've provided. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We're looking forward to doing another Top 5 episode and hopefully having one of you on because most of you, if not all of you, are Top 5 sponsors. And if you're interested in becoming a Top 5 sponsor or just a patron of the program, then be sure to check out the details at patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. That's pod as in podcast bean as in green bean patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. And if you want to find other episodes of this show, as Chris alluded to at the beginning of this episode, we talk about things outside the star Wars universe as well. We just did a review of uh, captain Marvel not too long ago, which should definitely be worth the listen. And you can find that and all of our other episodes on ipcpodcast.podbean.com, as well as iTunes, Google Play, and our partners over at StarWarsUnderworld.com. Yeah. Okay, I need to take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) I always do that. It's like all one breath, and I just need to do something a little bit different. Uh, Speaking of marathons. Seriously, no kidding. Um, So, Ben, one thing that we did the last time we discussed these movies... And uh, I was I was telling Chris this a little while ago. The last time we discussed the saga films was fall of 2015. Wow. It's been quite a while since we've talked about these movies. But one thing that I do vividly recall doing was a quote-a-thon rather than <laughs> a quote of the night. Usually on the show, we'll play a particular snippet and let others do the talking so we can take a quick drink of water or take a breath or whatever, but uh, it's not going to be the case tonight. We're going to take a couple of minutes and try and reenact the scene from Django's apartment. <laughs> and the way that this works, uh, Chris, we, we tried this last time with The Phantom Menace, where we just rotate the lines. We don't take yeah. on a particular character 
we just rotate to whatever the next line is, that's the one that we do. So one line you could end up being Obi-Wan, another line you could end up being Tonwi, another line you could end up being <laughs> Boba Fett. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't matter. But we're gonna do the scene in Django's apartment and make it all the way up through something maybe like uh pack your things, we're leaving. That would that would probably be the last portion that we do. So it's not going to be a super long sequence, but we'll see how far we can get uh, and see how well we can do it word for word. So I guess I'll lead off. All right. Who, who's doing which character? I'm, I'm, I forgot. We rotate. Okay, we rotate. Okay. We, we, cool, we cool, rotate. Cool, cool, cool. So it's not a, not a particular character. We just rotate. So I'll say the first line, and then, Ben, you would say the next line. Chris, you would say the next line after that. Okay. Probably even, barely going to do anything. I'm so terrible at this. So. Even even I'll if try. It, even if it even if it was a character that I just did a line for, yeah, you you would still be picking up the next line. If that if that makes sense, you can't be more terrible than me. Than I I was terrible. I, I, I don't time, know so if I'm even going to be able. This is destined for failure. I, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get the first one. Well, here I, no I, I found a something that could be considered a makeshift script. It's better than nothing. Uh, that's in that's the Skype. helpful. That's in, that's in the Skype chat now. You kind of have to scroll down uh, about midway through um, in order to try and find that particular sequence. But that's what I'm I found be it because yeah. I do remember the lines. I just don't know what order they're in. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's the difficult thing. Well, um, this will yeah, be helpful. That, that's kind of that's kind of along the lines of what we're gonna do, and then uh, and then we have one more segment before we close out the night. So just a few more minutes left in this episode, but hopefully this should prove entertaining because if we're all as bad at this as we think we are, even with the help from a a certain script link, uh, we uh, we might do okay. We might not do okay. I guess we'll find out. Well, I'll be able to keep it going. I can read a script. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. We'll uh. We're kind of we're kind of cheating, but uh, it's our it's our own show, so who cares? <laughs> okay, I'll open up with Tonwi, and then we'll just rotate through all the way to pack your things. We're leaving. All right. All right. Wait, who's second and who's third? Uh, Ben, can you be second? All yes. Right. Okay. Here we go. Boba, is your father here? Yep. May we see him? Sure. Dad, Tom Wee's here. Django, was your trip productive? Fairly. This is Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's come to check on our progress. Your clones are very impressive. You must be so proud. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Ever made your way as far into the interior as Coruscant? Once or twice. Recently. Possibly. Then you must know Jedi Master Sifo Diaz. Uh, Boba, really had soy. Master who? Sifo Diaz. Is he not the Jedi who hired you for this job? Never heard of him. Really? 
I was recruited by a man called Tyrannus on one of the moons of Bogdan. Curious. I'm hurt. I've hit my first brick wall. <laughs> That's what you get for not opening the script. <laughs> I couldn't. Point, points for getting this far without using them. Right? <laughs> I'm impressed. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised at myself. I'm very impressed. Somebody else take it. Do you, uh, like, do you like your army? I look forward to seeing them in action. They'll do their job well. I guarantee that. Thank, Thank you, you for your time, Jenko. Oh. <laughs> no, that's all right. Go. I think that was mine. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Jenko. <laughs> Always a pleasure to meet a Jedi. What is it, Dad? Pack your things. We're leaving. And scene. Awesome. Yes, <laughs> nice. we are leaving. Considering there was only two flubs, one brick wall, that was actually really good, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Round of applause for everybody. Re- reading is easy. <laughs> I'm impressed well, by Ben. Ben is very impressive. <laughs> yeah, trying to do it from memory. So what we did last time was we tried to start at the beginning of the movie and like just see how deep into it we could go. <laughs> I think I was around. I think wall. I was around for one of those at one point. I remember oh, that. Oh man, <laughs> trying to do that for the Force Awakens was ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> we'd only seen it like three or four times. But yeah. Oh my goodness. All in, all in good fun. Um, and speaking of which, we have one more fun segment before we call it a night. But we're running short on time, so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna breeze through this one as quick as we can. Everybody who is listening live. I want you to go ahead and get out your hashtags and start putting them in the chat. If you're listening on social media, then go put them on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and anything else that carries a hashtag. Because it is time for the 230-somethingth time. It is time for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. Barbecue! 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 All right, it is time to discuss barbecue once again. And this one is actually one that's very near and dear to my heart because it's not just barbecue. It's also uh, March Madness. This is March the 30th of 2019, and I am a big college basketball fan. And uh, last week, Ben and I had the great idea. Unfortunately, Ben had to step out. So, uh, Chris, you and I will be rounding out the show Mm -hmm. for these last few minutes here. But Ben and I had the idea last week to take some of the key components, you know, some of the key elements of of barbecue and create like a barbecue March Madness bracket, if you will. And uh, as you can see in the show notes, we came up with a total of eight different barbecue themed elements and we discussed, you know, where they should be seated and why and what kind of matchups we were going to face this week. And then over on our poll over at the uh, IPC podcast on Twitter, we actually had those matchups for people to vote on. So we had ribs versus jackfruit. We had brisket versus wings, pork versus turkey, and sausage versus chicken. We left it open for like a week so that people could come in and come out and 
you know, cast their vote for which one they thought would go to the quote-unquote Final Four. Which is interesting because this weekend is helping decide the actual college basketball Final Four. And uh, my state of Texas actually has a representative in it for the first time since 2003. Which I'm pretty excited for. Uh, Congrats to the Red Raiders out of Lubbock, Texas for making it as far as you have. Best wishes in Minneapolis. But uh, tonight is actually just discussing the results of that Twitter poll and looking at what the final four matchup would be. Mm. So Chris, I know that barbecue isn't like a big thing um, for you too terribly much, mostly vegan options and vegetarian options at this point. Again, the way that I look at it is that when you're talking about like all these things, you know, you've got, you've got the animal based versions and you've got the plant based versions, but Mm -hmm. the, the final product, you know, can be, can be either. And, you know, like, just like, you know, you got, you got plant-based burgers and you got animal-based burgers, et cetera. And you've got pulled jackfruit versus pulled pork. And, you know, so it's like the, 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 the concept of barbecue is still a concept that's very near and dear to me. And I love it. It's just, I, 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 I go for the ones that have plant-based ingredients versus animal ingredients. That's the only difference. Well, and that's fair. And we did try and include a uh, a plant-based option. Oh cool. By putting jackfruit as the number 8 nice. seed. And uh you know, it's it's kind of like what happens when you've got a 16 versus a 1 in March Madness. Very <laughs> rarely does it mm. top the top seed, but it at least gets recognition and consideration. That's so awesome. We we did we did throw jackfruit into the fold. Uh unfortunately ribs prevailed. The, yeah, them. it's not <laughs> no way. Not gonna in, happen in this in this matchup. Not gonna happen. Um, in the 2-7 matchup, uh, brisket prevailed over the seven seated wings. Oh wow! So, I, I I disagree with that one. <laughs> but well, yeah. there weren't a whole lot of votes on that one. Actually, mm. there were there were only eleven votes on that one. Oof. But uh, we we let we let the people decide, and that's what the people decided on. Apparently. That's what uh, I get for being off Twitter too much. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. Like literally, every every vote makes a difference. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, in the in the next poll, we had pork and turkey, which I made a pretty considerable mm. case for turkey last week because mm. I'm I'm just a fan of barbecued turkey and and white meat yeah. over over dark meat on several instances. Yeah. Um, but pork actually prevailed in that one as well. Yeah, it's hard so, to beat that. It, I mean, pulled pork and things like that. I I get it. Uh, yeah. Doesn't 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 mean I'm a fan necessarily, but I get it. Yeah. Um. Because here's here's the thing. A lot of people associate turkey with Thanksgiving, anyways. That's a good and, point. Yeah, I've never so, really thought of barbecued turkey before. Barbecued chicken, yes, but not barbecued turkey. Well, and see, it. that's the thing. That's the thing. Is chicken to me has a lot of different uses, not just barbecue. It's true. And so I'm thinking chicken salad. I'm thinking chicken mm. tenders. I'm thinking chicken soup. There's all yeah. kinds of different yeah. uses for chicken. Yeah. And so that's why it wasn't as highly rated as some of the other barbecue elements. I actually had it as the five seed mm. um, playing against four seed sausage. Ooh, yeah. And interestingly enough, those two finished in a dead heat tie. Wow. <laughs> 16 votes, eight for sausage, eight for chicken. 
It's actually surprising to me. I would think chicken would get a little more love there. I mean, it's like you said, it's so versatile. Like mm-hmm. sausage is sausage. Like you, you don't do well, much with yeah. that. Well, okay. So the case that we made last week involved maybe something like German sausage compared to barbecue sausage. Mm, yeah, there's like different that. types of sausage, and there's so. even there's even vegetarian sausage options. Of course, as well. it's true. And and there's so there's you, vegetarian chicken options too, like chicken with a the apostrophe. <laughs> that that's so. Mm. Yep, it's a thing. <laughs> I, I never would have considered it, but it doesn't yep. surprise me. Yep. <laughs> it does not surprise me. So here's what I want to do. We've still got a few people listening live in the chat, I think. So we're going to give it to you guys because you are the loyal listeners. Mm. You're the ones who have decided to actually join us on channel1138.com. So you need to cast your vote, sausage or chicken. Well, you're gonna, um, you're we know who Ramsey. We know who Ramsey Bolton has voted for. Oh, he's definitely going to vote for sausage. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh man, I love to hate Ramsey Bolton. <laughs> not not gonna lie, I, I, he's one of those guys that he just commands attention on the screen, yep. but at the same time, you're just like, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. Not not a bit so i mean there's 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 quite a few people that are that i feel that way about honestly uh including someone like cersei lannister yes Um, not not the biggest fan of her either i was a fan of tywin though i i liked what he represented like yes and that the acting there is fantastic i'm really curious to see what he's going to do in Mm. uh the godzilla movie yeah Oh like, yeah, I'm looking like forward Charles to that. Charles Dance is just a phenomenal actor yeah. in general, and so uh, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens, and I'm really curious to see what you guys in the chat are going to vote on. Come on, uh, Toasted Zen, make a decision. We're I waiting know, on you. George, you're the one who's going to decide this. Toasted George, Zen, where are you? George and Kathy, you guys have interacted with us tonight on the show. You have an opportunity to send one of these two to the final four. Uh, be sure to cast your vote. Uh, the winner of this, uh, what is it? Sausage versus chicken mm. matchup faces ribs in the final four. Ooh, that's going to be something else. It's going to be really interesting to yeah. see because number one seed ribs plays the winner of four versus five. And we will have brisket facing off against pork for Dang. next week's round. And then one of the things that we're talking about doing is including side items. That's uh, a good what, idea. What kind of what kind of side items? Maybe do like a four piece poll with like beans, coleslaw, potato salad, mm. and uh, geez, I don't remember what the fourth one was. A pickle, maybe. Oh, you got it. Yeah, you got to have a pickle. Something something like that, and then you could cast your vote for what side item goes with the with the champion meat option. So. Mm. Uh, Barbecue Watch March Madness is uh, is only just beginning, but uh, we're gonna give you guys maybe another thirty seconds or so. We have one vote. Someone's in the that, lead. And if that one vote is all that does it, then okay. Um, but if somebody else votes to to tie it, then Chris, <laughs> we'll make you the tiebreaker because I don't have the patience to wait for a third person to cast their oh, vote. That'll be fun. Uh, Toasted Zen has cast. A vote in favor of sausage says, I really only eat sausage when I'm having barbecue. So that's my vote. Very fair. I don't I don't really think 
there are many other instances when I would have sausage. You know what? Um, I, you're not not one for the breakfast sausage with the pancakes or the waffles. Mm, I'm more I, I'm more of a bacon kind of guy. Yeah, I I I, I used to prefer that too. But um, my my thing is I like variety. Yeah. And so I will get like a sampler plate that's got a little bit of everything. If I have to choose something, I like to choose variety. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know that's kind of a cheater's way out, but that's that's kind of the direction that I tend to lean towards. Maybe we'll have to have like a breakfast segment on Barbecue Watch sometime. That would be interesting. But uh yeah. I think I think we're going to go I think we're going to go ahead and cut it off. Thank you Toasted Zen for being the tiebreaker. Sausage officially moves on to the final four. So we will have Sausage versus Ribs. And brisket versus pork in the next round. The winner of that, those two, then become the final ones. And Ben and I, hopefully Ben will be around for that episode. Uh, ben and I are going to be debating which one of those two deserves to be the ultimate barbecue watch March Madness champion. So there's still more of that fun to come. Be sure to stick around. But uh, Chris... I think we need to call it a night. Thank you again. Thank you so much again for being a part of this awesome evening. And we're looking forward to having you back for potentially Avengers or Shazam or whatever you feel in the mood for. I'll get with you about the schedule, but we would definitely love to have you back sometime soon. Oh, yeah. I'm making an appearance on all of the Avengers shows. I'm going to do the circuit. Every podcast. (laughs) Going to do it. (laughs) I mean, Endgame has so many implications. It's kind of hard not to talk about it at some point eventually yeah no so, i i i remember last year with infinity war <laughs> it was on quite a few shows about that that was good times so in between those guest appearances where can the folks at home keep up with you seek 3po on social media um twitter and instagram and then also seek 3po.com as well um I'm still in that zone where all my awesome projects are secret right now. So, <laughs> but <laughs> so if you follow fun. all those things, you'll be the first to know when they're not. Well, that's awesome. And you're also on the SWU, so you can keep up with them on the Star Wars Underworld podcast every Thursday and potentially articles and such on StarWarsUnderworld.com as well. So plenty of ways to stay involved. And the SWU is a partner of IPC, so you'll find episodes of the IPC podcast on there as well. Uh, you can find Ben on social media at Ben Hart with no E on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as well on Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. And a reminder that you can find previous episodes on iTunes, CastBox, Google Play, StarWarsUnderworld.com, and our hosting site, IPCPodcast.Podbean.com. You can also make uh, one-time contributions to the show and get some really awesome swag at the same time by going to tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash IPC podcast. We actually have a barbecue watch shirt available right now. We've also got coffee mugs. We've got stickers. We've got throw pillows. We've got totes. We've got tank tops. We've got hoodies. You name it, we've probably got it. Go check all of that and more out over there at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. <sighs> a deep breath before we call it a night. Chris, thank you again for joining us and legging it out as long as you have. Uh, I know that uh, 
took up quite a good portion of your evening, but we appreciate having you on. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, whenever you schedule a show um, at the same time as a Red Sox game, it's super easy because, uh, you know, I can just do both. <laughs> Dude, I've got the Rangers game on yep. on a little pop-up window myself, so yep. it's it's just one of those things. It's become like a part of the culture. We just That's just yeah. part of what, what goes on. So uh, what's going to happen is uh, next week's episode of the IPC podcast. Let me see. I'm going to check our schedule real quick, but I believe... The next thing that we're going to have to kick off the month of April will be a newsreel. So we'll be talking about some of the pop culture news and stuff that's going on and potentially discuss a top five element as well. And then the week after that will be Celebration Chicago. So there's definitely going to be plenty of stuff to talk about from there as well. Talking about what's happening from the galaxy far, 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 far away. You guys are so dang far this time. Like, I... I'm so bummed that I don't get to go. Just putting that out uh, there. But well, you know, so, I, somebody will kidnap you. Yeah, I hope so. And if not, I'll just kidnap myself the next time there's a celebration. Heck yeah. I do intend to go to at least one before I'm too old to do this kind of thing. Where's that celebration Texas? I mean, now that they're being creative with their locations. I would, I, I could see a celebration Houston potentially. Yes, that is like the fourth biggest city in the country now, I think. It's 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 one of the biggest cities in the country, and they've got a decent airport to be able to handle yeah. international travel, I think. Um, although I feel like uh, the next possibility would probably be Atlanta. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I can I think, see that. I think, I think Celebration Atlanta is on the horizon. The only reason yeah. they've done them in California and New York is because of the size of their international airports there. O'Hare at Chicago is definitely one that can handle it. Yeah. So I think a celebration Atlanta is definitely on the horizon. But yeah, uh, what's on the horizon for us will be a top five episode next week right here on channel1138.com. But that's going to do it for us tonight. I'm officially putting episode 231 in the books. For Ben Hart and Chris Siegel, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope that you'll tune in next time. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. The first step toward loyalty is trust. And we trust that we'll see you next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.